This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say, uh, go Bills. Oh, ho, ho! Baby! <laughs> what is up, Buffalo Fanatics? Z-Bot here with you. Live on a victory Monday night. And that, of course, can only mean one thing. It is the smoke break powered by BetUS, where the game begins. Get your 125% sign-up bonus in the description below. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in. Fresh off one of those games that just so happened to go in the Bills' favor this time around. When I say one of those games, you know exactly what I mean. You know exactly what it felt like yesterday. And if you're like me, you felt the impending doom looming. But somehow, someway, the Buffalo Bills get out of Arrowhead alive Sunday afternoon, improve the 7-6, and six, maintain their playoff chances, and beat the Kansas City Chiefs 20-17 to 17 in a game no one will soon forget. Just like damn near every time Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes have squared off three consecutive victories for the Buffalo Bills in Arrowhead in the regular season. And this one may have been the sweetest. It's the smoke break, folks, on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. Once again, so great to have you in, and I'm so glad we get to do this tonight in this fashion as opposed to what I thought we might have to do tonight after we watched what unfolded and then all of a sudden did not unfold we have a ton to talk about tonight and we will dive into it so strap in get your popcorn ready this is going to be a fun one because we finally get to talk about one of those unforgettable games but this time the buffalo bills get to be on the winning end of it this pretty much reminds me of the uh, you know, exact scenario the Bills were in against the Denver Broncos, but in a loss where the game somehow ends. And I'll put ends in quotes because I want to talk about what exactly happened and how that didn't necessarily lose the game for the Chiefs. But when I say ends, I'll put them in quotes uh, on a flag. The Bills lose the game to the Denver Broncos on a flag. This felt like the Kansas City Chiefs certainly did not help their chances with a flag. You could argue they would have won the game. Who knows? They still could have won the game. And that is a narrative that nobody wants to talk about today. They want to focus on one thing and one thing only. And it just so happens to be a flag that was the most obvious right call you'll see in a controversial scenario. Usually when we're talking about the referees, usually when we're talking about flags, that perhaps dictate a game. We're talking about a very controversial call. There's nothing controversial about making a call that when you look at it 
everybody who knows the game of football knows it was the accurate call, yet here we are over 24 hours removed, and it has been the biggest story in the NFL. Not the story of Josh Allen overcoming all these obstacles yesterday, including going into the game, the narrative that his head coach can't win in the big moment, the narrative that his his head coach's character is um, is not very good to say the least. These Buffalo Bills were able to accomplish something yesterday that was not only incredibly impressive from a multitude of different standpoints, but they were able to do it in an environment that I think was stacked against them. Not only are you playing in the toughest spot to win perhaps in the NFL, but you come off a very tumultuous week where you, you know, you feel as though coming into the bye, you played really well against the Philadelphia Eagles despite a loss. You know you're going to have to pretty much win out to make the playoffs, and you want to focus on that. But then you have the Von Miller situation, which you thought might maybe that could be bad enough, but then all of a sudden the three-parter from Tyler Dunn comes out, and that's all anybody's talking about when it comes to the Buffalo Bills, but they were able to put it all behind them yesterday and get out of there victorious. And the most amazing part about it, they did so in a way that completely defies all of the narratives spoken about Sean McDermott in that article. And that doesn't erase what's happened in the past, especially his late game blunders. But yesterday, and I understand the flag is included in all of this. Yesterday, Sean McDermott approached that situation in a different manner than he has to date. And I would argue it's the reason they ended up winning. Because even though the flag was thrown, Okay, the Kansas City Chiefs still had ample opportunity to win it, including before and after that flag was thrown. They did not get it done. And you have to give a big credit to Sean McDermott and that defense for being a major factor as to why the outcome that happened yesterday occurred to 20 to 17 chiefs fall to eight and five bills now seven and six tied with a litany of other teams on the outside looking in when it comes to the playoff picture dallas cowboys coming up this week in buffalo that is going to be a huge game especially after you watch dallas absolutely decimate the philadelphia eagles last night did not allow the Philadelphia Eagles to score a single offensive touchdown, but we all know the Dallas Cowboys are a far different team in Texas than they are on the road. We'll see what version of them we get in Orchard Park on Sunday, but that game, just as yesterday's was for both of those teams, is about as big of a non-playoff game as you'll find. But let's focus on the moment at hand right now, and that's what happened yesterday, and we're going to talk about a variety of things But, of course, we're going to have to discuss what was the biggest moment of the day yesterday, and that was the offsides call. So that's where we'll start because that's where everybody wants to not only start, but that's all they want to talk about. On here, we're going to talk about it. Of course, we have to. But we're going to talk about all of the other things that went into the Bills winning, not just a flag being thrown. That was the correct call. There's so many different ways to to tackle this. There's so many different angles when it comes to a flag thrown that was in you know this is what kills me the most about this there's so many ways you can talk about this but at the end of the day there's only one definitive answer and it was that it was the right call and the fact that this has become what it has is not only insane but i gotta tell you i'm marveling in it i think it's awesome because it ain't happening to us and you want to know who it's happening to? It's happening to the team that has felt as though they've been on the right side of a lot of these things. And not only did it happen to them, but they handled it as poorly as I've ever seen a team handle that type of situation. I have never seen in my life what Patrick Mahomes did after that game. 
And you can think of a million different examples of, of things after the game that may have not been up to your standard, things that happened in the game that may have been off-putting that weren't very sportsmanlike. I had somebody, I tweeted it out. I said, can anybody else, I, you know, you, you always have to preface this on Twitter. I said, I have a genuine question because if you don't say that, then, you know, it can be taken a million different ways. But I was being truthful because I genuinely was wondering, has anybody ever seen a scenario that played out yesterday happen before that? where an opposing player goes up to the other player in this situation. And in most situations, the quarterbacks go up to each other. Has anybody seen in that situation, the losing player bitch about the refs to the other player continue to do so. And mind you, he was doing it in a much more irate fashion on the sideline. Does it to Allen continues to do it with the cameras around. And by the way, we know Patrick Mahomes knows that the, the cameras are around. If you remember the shot earlier in the game where the camera crew was approaching the sideline of the Chiefs during a timeout, Mahomes waved him away like he was Jim Harbaugh. So he knows the cameras were around, and it was an absolute blunder. And it just so happened to come from the face of the league. And I don't think we've ever seen anything like it. But he then would go on to double down on it at the podium, which I don't think I've ever seen from a player of his caliber. There may have been examples of players I'm not thinking of, but it doesn't matter in that regard because when it happens with a player of his caliber, it's a whole different deal. But not only that, Andy Reid would come in, come in and triple down on it. And the craziest part about all of this is it's happening over a call that was 100% correct, and their arguments are essentially, you know, you just called it um, – you called it and therefore ruined the game for us, ruined the legacy of Travis Kelsey. I apologize to Taylor Swift uh, and the Kelsey family. He will never make it into the Hall of Fame now that that play no longer stands. We're talking about the legacy of Travis Kelsey on the line, good football on the line. Look, I get it. I understand if it was a bullshit hold or a bullshit pass interference like we see on a weekly basis. Okay. But even then, I wouldn't understand the, uh, the the audacity to do it to Allen and to the media. But what makes it a thousand times worse is that it's not one of those subjective calls. You could argue that the one call in football that really isn't subjective at all is offsides and a, a false start. It's the only one that you can legitimately prove. Half the time, nobody knows what a pass interference is, what a holding is, what a roughing the passer is. Nobody knows what half of these flags are. But you can visibly see when somebody's lined up in front of the football, and Kadarius Tony was lined up so egregiously in front of the football, you could not see the football from the broadcast angle. Yet this is what has come from this game. We are discussing the controversy over a call of that subject matter. Let's talk about a variety of different things that have gone into this. But before we do, let's talk about the play itself. And I want you to sit and take a moment right here. Take a real moment and pause. Okay, before we watch it, because we're going to watch it together right now. And I want you to think about all of the things that have happened to the Buffalo Bills in the past. All of the things. I know there's a lot. You probably don't have the amount of time I'm giving you right now to think of all of them. But think of all of the plays like this that have gone against the Bills. And then think to yourself, does this not just seem like the most Obvious Bills loss of all time added on top of the stack of plays that are so insane, of game endings that are so insane that this one, of course, along with the rest, would have ended up having its own name. 
Let's rewatch it. Because I don't know if we truly realize, and it's getting lost in all of this, I don't know if we're truly realizing what yesterday was and what we dodged. Because as Bills fans, we know we never dodge these. In fact, we have a laundry list of these plays that it's almost impossible to understand how many times it's happened to a team like the Bills compared to everybody else. Here's the play. Okay, Second and 10, buck 24 left, Bills up three, and Patrick Mahomes drops back to Plass, and here's how it unfolded. Again, there's a flag down at the line of scrimmage as the pass is to an open Travis Kelsey who brings it back over to Tony. Think about where you were in this moment. In this part right here coming up. Oh, they didn't show it. I thought they would. But if you remember, they panned to Josh Allen. And I don't think, I, I mean, once again, how many times have we gotten a pan shot of Josh Allen looking like he just ate 10-year-old expired uh, meat. It looks like he just drank. You know how when it, it's all happened to us, you open up the fridge, grab the milk, and you realize, man, that's probably a week past due. That's how he looked. This happened. This unfolded. And God knows how many examples in the past have happened similar to this that also unfolded. And it happens to come from the guy who not only has been the face of the league, has been accomplishing everything the Bills have wanted to accomplish with Josh Allen, all of that. But no more than the guy who handed the Bills perhaps the most heartbreaking loss in the history of the league. And it's happening again. Right? I just wanted to replay that to show you that for once, we can go back in time now and say, hey, the Bills caught a break. And it wasn't like it was an undeserved break. It was the right call. But this is what happened. And the fact that we're sitting here today on the victorious side of this, I cannot let it go for granted. It is unbelievable. It never happens to us, and it did. That was one of the more insane plays you'll ever see. And I just want to break down real quick the little intricacies of it because it gets more insane when you do that. For starters, look at this. Right, I want you to watch right, right here. How that pass, you understand, is that Saran Neal? I think it is. I can't quite make out the number, right? You understand if that pass is batted right there, that's a loose ball, that's a fumble, the game is over. Look how close this is. Do you see this? It's essentially as close as the, uh, the uh, Music City Miracle was to being a forward pass, right? Where it's almost so close you can't even comprehend how it happened. So much so that today people still don't think that that was a backwards pass, and I, I don't necessarily disagree with them. But how close is this to being bad, and it doesn't? So you, you go even deeper here, right? And you're just thinking all of the little things that were going to have to happen for this to go right. Kelsey getting this wide open, the ability to run up the field, then make two defenders miss and throw this ball. The ball's on the guy. I, I, I couldn't believe what I was watching when it was unfolding. And if you're like me, what was your initial thought? That flag, as early as it was thrown, it wouldn't have been a false start because they would have blown the play dead. That flag, 99 out of 100 times, is defensive offsides. And that's where my mind was, and I immediately went to looking at the amount of timeouts we had, looking at the amount of time we had left, and thinking, can Josh Allen actually pull this off in this situation? That's where my mind was, and it didn't ever come down to that. Do not today 
forget, nor should you ever forget, that this actually went in the Bills' favor. Because this happens so rarely. And it was self-inflicted by Kansas City, by the way. Okay? Kansas City were the ones who committed the self-inflicted wound this time around, not the Bills. Make sure to revel in that. Now let's talk about the little things going on surrounding why this play did not count. I have a bunch of bookmark tweaks here that I want to talk about because, to me, the ones I've found are going to be able to give me the best launch points for what exactly I want to talk about because there is a variety of narratives around here that I want to kind of shoot down as best I can or at least give my take on it because, of course, now I can't find the, the bookmarks that I'm looking for. Uh, there's a variety of, of, of takes surrounding this, and I just can't quite understand why. And I pretty much wrote it right here in this particular tweet of my own where I said, you're seeing this right here, okay? Now, the blue line isn't official, so that doesn't even matter. That's irrelevant in this case. The center has the ball right there. The thing, the thing of the, the, thing of the, uh, the truth of the matter here is you can't even tell because Kadarius Tony is lined up so far off sides, you cannot see the center holding the ball, right? His foot may not be over that blue line, but the ball isn't even on the blue line. The ball is linear to the helmet here, which means his foot is a full yard almost offsides. Okay? This is a lot of the narrative I've been seeing today, and it comes from who I think is somebody right now in the media who peppers out some of the worst takes on a weekly basis that I've seen. And that's Robert Griffin, the third, I, I, it's almost like someone's paying him to just have the, 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 the adverse comment to every single um, controversial situation that seems to be happening at any given time in any league. He, even in, he was on Dan Patrick a couple of weeks ago, talking about the, uh, the, the uh, college football playoff. Just, I, th I think Dan asked him if, if it was subjective whether or not Florida State got in. And he just kept shooting Dan down, like very, very definitively, very for certain. And the way he did it, I'm just thinking to myself, well, of course it's subjective. Because if it wasn't, of course Florida State would be in. The whole committee's subjective. The whole thing's subjective. I've seen a variety of different things from Robert Griffin III over the last couple of seasons where it just feels like he's always got to be on the other side. This one, nothing tops this to me. I don't understand how you can have this take, but in his defense, he's certainly not the only one. He says... An offsides call erased one of the more creative and impromptu plays we have ever seen. A lateral by Travis Kelsey on the same day the man who gave us the Music City Miracle, Frank Wycheck, passed away. Instead of that memory, we are left with more officiating inconsistency. To put that in layman's terms, Robert Griffin III is saying, we just got one of the worst, one of the best plays ever taken away because there was a flag. That play should have stood. I don't care what happened. That play was so great. That should have stood. Dang it. Here's the thing, RG3 and everybody else who has this take. The flag was thrown the second the ball was snapped. Okay. Nobody was expecting, other than maybe Mahomes, Kadarius, Tony, and Travis Kelsey, that what would, uh, what would then unfold over the next couple seconds would potentially be one of the greatest plays we've seen in some time. The ref certainly didn't know that. The flag was thrown simultaneously with the ball being snapped. Nobody knew the outcome, and nobody was throwing the flag because of the outcome. And you're trying to paint the picture that the, 
the sports world was robbed of an amazing play because of the refs. No, the sports world was robbed of an amazing play because Kadarius Tony lined up a yard off sides. Why today is Kadarius Tony not being given the brunt of the blame, yet the officiating crew is for making the call that everybody knew was the right call? He's got to be the happiest guy on the planet today, Kadarius Tony. No one's even talking about him being the guy who committed the flag. They're talking about the refs interfering and ruining the game. It is preposterous. And you know me, if you've watched this show long enough, I always come on here and take accountability. How many times have I said the Giants got boned against the Bills in the game a couple of months ago where they called the pass interference the first play going down into the red zone and didn't call the one on the final play of the game? I'm always transparent and honest, and I do my best to put my bias aside. Okay, If this same thing happened to the Bills, I can't look at this image and come up with an argument against it unless I want to sound like an absolute buffoon. Yet I got countless people today, countless, doing that. Even today, I never, ever watch first things first, but I thought I already had FS1 on in the background. I knew it was on at 3 o'clock, and I thought, you know what? It's almost 3. Let me sit down and see how Nick Wright's going to spin this one. And what he proceeded to do, which is what the majority of people have done, which makes it that much more insane. They admit that it was a, a flag. They admit that Kadarius Tony committed a penalty. But then proceed to give you an example, another, another example, and another example of why it should not have been called. I don't understand how you can, you can, Look yourself in the mirror, say that out loud, and think that you sound anywhere close to logical when you start off by saying it's a flag, but, and the only reason anybody gives a damn is because the play resulted in what it did. Nobody today would give two rips if Kadarius Tony was offsides and that play was an out route for a six-yard gain. And I preface again, nobody knew what the outcome of that play was going to be when the ball was snapped. It very well could have been a screen or an out route. So the ref was going to throw that flag regardless. The ref didn't take away the play. The play didn't even unfold. The flag was already on the field. Hindsight's twenty twenty, and now, of course, we all know that that flag was thrown on that particular play. But people want to make it seem like that flag was thrown the second Travis Kelsey lateral the ball and the refs robbed him of that play. You watch the broadcast, and as soon as the ball is snapped, you see the flag make its way onto the screen. It was always going to be called, no matter if Mahomes got sacked or whether it was the play of the year like we saw unfold. And I don't understand how we today go online or watch TV or turn on the radio, and all we hear are people debating a call that everybody on the planet, including those arguing against it, know was the right call. This one to me, and I bring this, I use Robert Griffin III as the example because I've seen countless of these. And, and, and Kevin or Nick Wright's was awfully similar to this. 
and offsides erased one of the more creative and prompt two plays. Okay, that's that's a fact. And I, honest to God, I wouldn't have a damn problem with this if at the end he said, he said, instead of that memory, we are left wondering what would be if Kadarius Tony lined up properly. If he would have just ended that sentence by saying, instead of that memory, we are left wondering what would be if Kadarius Tony didn't line up in the Bills secondary. But no, it's instead we are left with more inefficient or more officiating inconsistencies. Look, I'm not going to argue against in, uh, inconsistent officiating. I, no one's actually argued that more than me, I'd say. Every time I've come on here and talked about the officiating, I always say that's the biggest problem. I talked about it after the Eagles game, as a matter of fact. We talked about the A.J. Brown reception, subsequent fumble that was not ruled a fumble on the field. It was ruled an incompletion. No definitive evidence to overturn it. They go with the call on the field. However, an hour later, in the Ravens-Chargers game, exact same play unfolds, except on the field. It was ruled a fumble. Therefore, fumble is upheld. Inconsistent. No question about it. Now, let's move on to talk about these inconsistencies, which Dan Orlovsky points out here, not all that long ago, on NFL Live. And I like Dan Orlovsky. I think he does a great job. I think he's one of the more intelligent guys on ESPN right now. At least I know with him, he believes what he's saying, and he does his best to back it up with sufficient arguments. This is from the perspective of a quarterback here. Dan Orlovsky talking about what unfolded on that play. Say that the officials should have been communicating with them. Did you find that to be true in your playing career in these moments? Yeah, all the time. Officials would, hey, guys, you got to get back or whatnot. So I think it's this for me. Number one, Kadarius Tony, you should always look at the official to say, hey, am I on? If you did that and the flag got thrown, we got an issue. If you didn't do do that, the Chiefs got to figure out, well, we got an issue. So I went back. I watched every single snap from last night that Kadarius Tony played. Not one time did he check with the official. But that play that we're talking about was not the first time it happened in the game. This is the second play of the game, his first snap. Kadarius Tony's up top. He is on the line. Now, the guy opposite him was supposed to be on the line as well, but he's about three or four inches behind Kadarius Tony. That's almost the same alignment wow. that we're talking about when it comes to the flag getting huh. thrown. But there's no warning that gets shared with Kadarius <laughs> Tony on this play. This is his first snap of the game. Okay, a little bit later. Look at where the football is. The football is on the 30-yard line. Look at where Kadarius Tony is. He's in that same exact alignment. Now look at the receiver opposite him. That guy is supposed to be on the line of scrimmage as well, but he's actually in the right alignment. So Kadarius Tony. So a minute and ten, and that ends at a minute fifteen. What Dan would go on to do is show maybe two or three more examples of this. <clears throat> I understand what Dan's trying to do. I understand Dan's trying to tell you that that flag was thrown in that moment because that was the most pivotal moment of the game, and that's what boned the Chiefs. He's trying to tell you it wasn't thrown at all throughout the game. Why is it thrown then? Let me start by saying once again, no one knew what the outcome of that play was going to be, and no one would have given a damn if that flag was thrown and it was an incompletion, but it was going to be thrown regardless because it was thrown on the snap. I understand what Dan's trying to do here. He's trying to paint the picture of the inconsistent officiating, which he's right, which he is right on, but for the wrong reasons. What he's telling me, Kadarius Tony got away with five offside penalties in this game. Five. 
Kadarius Tony was offside all game long. It's not that, oh, hey, the, the officials boned the Chiefs. If anything, sounds to me like the Bills were getting boned all day. Once again, I understand what he's trying to do. He's talking about the inefficiencies. Yes, it was inefficient. Sounds to me like the Bills were not the benef- beneficiaries of that in- in- inefficiency. They just so happened to call it at a time that really boned the Chiefs. I think what this goes to show you is, in fact, Kadarius Tony was not only indeed offsides because he was offsides all day, but he was doing so in such a manner that it almost seems it was getting more and more egregious and the flag was then therefore thrown. What we get from the explanation from, I believe, Terry McCullen of NBC Sports and all of these guys, by the way, all of these head aficionados when it comes to the refereeing, the guys they bring on onto the broadcast, every single one of them, for the most part, has used the exact same word, and it's egregious. I'd venture to believe, as Dan's pointing out here, and I'm sure you could go through and watch every game every week and find a penalty on every damn snap. I guarantee you could. Absolutely. But they keep using the word egregious. And when you look at this angle, okay, and you got to remember, there's a line judge linear with this blue line. He's looking to see if the ball is lined up, whatever the hell a judge has got to do in that moment. If the line judge is standing linear to the line of scrimmage, He's looking down the pipe saying, I can't see the ball. And then when the ball is snapped, I couldn't see the ball. He's offsides, flags thrown. In these other circumstances, right, that Dan's showing this one, you would assume this should have been called. It was missed, right? It was totally missed. But maybe on this one, the line judge is standing here. He doesn't see it because there's a receiver in his view right here. I'm not entirely sure. I'm not entirely sure why it was thrown when it was and why, and why it wasn't thrown all the other times. But if this argument here is to try to make me feel as a a Bills fan like the Chiefs got boned, or if it's trying to make anybody feel like the Chiefs got boned, then it's missing the mark entirely. The only thing this tells me is that the refs missed it all game and they happened to throw it at a time where it seemingly was more egregious than maybe the others. And it also just so happened to happen on a play that unfolded into one of, one of the league's best in a long time. But I can't say this enough. It doesn't matter the outcome of the play. It was going to be thrown no matter what. Do I think it's a problem that it wasn't thrown all game? I absolutely do. This proves the point I've been talking about forever, and it's to some degree proves Dan's point. To some degree, it proves Robert Griffin III's point, which I just said earlier, I agree with. I agree. The, the officiating is 100% inconsistent, but it was inconsistent going against the Bills in this scenario. What we're trying to be told here, and I, I don't, I'm not entirely sure if Dan realizes this is the way it's coming across, but what we're trying to be told here is the Chiefs should have just been allowed to be offsides for a seventh time or whatever number it was. It shouldn't have been allowed ever. And I, I don't know if you're a believer in karma or whatever. Shout out Taylor Swift, one of my favorite T-Swift songs, Karma. But that was the straw that broke the camel's back. If you're going to line up offsides all day, eventually the guy's going to, he's going to, one of these guys is going to see it. It's a problem. They never, they didn't see it before. But it wound up resulting in being a problem for the Chiefs. 
which seems accurate when you're lining up offsides all day. Because if they never called it and we went back and looked at this, which by the way, we never would have, we never would have. And we never would have went back and looked at this if the Chiefs didn't pull off an incredible lateral play. But say I'm watching the game and that flag's never thrown and I'm looking at the screen in real time and I'm saying, Tony's offside, Tony's offside, where's the flag? And they never throw it. And I go back and dissect this. The narrative today is the refs missed every single offsides call. Right? The narrative today is still they missed the majority of them, but they ended up getting them on one. And you look back on it, and of course it, it's a benefit to the Bills. Of course it is. But all day long, seemingly, they were getting hosed by it. And I don't understand how the team that commits the penalty today are the ones that we're supposed to feel sorry for. And I'm as transparent as it gets when it comes to this. If there was some BS pass offensive pass interference or hold call on this and it got taken back and I see it afterwards and it's such a BS call, it's so weak, whatever. I'd sit here today and tell you, man, the Bills caught an insane break. I don't know how the hell they're throwing that flag. Honest to God, you almost got to feel bad for the Chiefs. They had that one. I would do it. I would do it. I've said it about the Giants. Said it about the Giants game, which if they would have lost that game, looking back on, I mean, we're done today. This is as blatant as it gets. Is it a problem that, that the refs didn't call it all game? Yeah, you better believe it is. But the guy, it doesn't negate the fact the guy was doing it all game. So you mean to tell me just because he was doing it all game means it's it's right when he does it on this play? It doesn't work like that. And it finally came back to bite him in the ass, the fact that he was lining up all day. The other narrative everybody wanted to put out until, of course, it was debunked, which I think a lot of these things need to be debunked because it, it is the right call. The other thing was that Everybody wanted to compare this exact play. If you remember last year, Washington Commanders, New York Giants, ball on the goal line, Terry Terry McLaurin, he uh, looks to the side judge to see if he's on sides. It looks like the side judge gives him a nod that he is or he isn't, tells him to back up, whatever. He then proceeds to move forward a step, which people forget, and even I forgot after I watched it again. And the ref immediately throws the flag. Everybody looked at that and said, how the hell do you throw the flag on McLaurin? He checked with the side judge. It made it seem like he was okay. Then he immediately flew through the flag. After I watched it again, it looked to me like he was offsides. It looked to me like the judge told him to move back a bit. But hey, either way, there's uh, there's stuff in the crosshairs there that you can argue about, certainly. Because we don't know what he said to him. We don't know if he actually stepped a little bit forward to the point of being even more offsides, which visually it looked like that. Either way, there's a million things in the middle there you could take away from that. You can argue about it, right? Right after this, everyone wanted to jump to that play and say Kadarius Tony checked on this play with the side judge to make sure he was fine and then was called on it. And as Dan said earlier, and I agree with this 100%, if Kadarius Tony checked with the side judge, and the side judge gave him the thumbs up and then threw the flag. That's Bush League. That's BS. And that's a problem. 100% agree with that. In the, in the words of Conor McGregor, there was no check. He didn't check all game. Pete Prisco of CBS here 
shows it in his all 22. That Kadarius Tony never checked on this play, never checked with the side judge. I don't have the, the tweet up of the, of the other example I saw, but I saw somebody further on from this go on to look at every play from the game and come to the uh, conclusion that Kadarius Tony, even though he was offsides all game, like Dan Orlovsky pointed out, he never once checked with the officials, ever, not once the whole game, including this particular moment. So that's dead in the water. Saw a bunch of people saying he checked, he got hosed. Look at I line up there and agree with you. You check with the side judge, he gives you the thumbs up, and then you immediately get flagged on it. That's BS to me. No check. There was no check. Then everybody wants to go on and talk about the warning. He should have been warned. He should have been given a heads up that he was committing a flag. And to that, I say, you got to be shitting me. Is that what this game has come down to? Is that what the NFL has come down to where I need the ref to let me know I'm doing the right thing before the ball is snapped? Because if that's the case, let the let me have the ref before I hold the guy the next time tell me exactly what a hold is because I don't think anybody knows that. The next time there's a pass interference, let me have the ref completely explain to me before it happens uh, a pass interference or in real time perhaps you can just say to the, the defender, hey, you, know, you can't do that. I'm going to give you a warning this time, right? I'm going to give you a warning. Talk about a, a potential play, right, where it goes down the field, blatant pass interference, and the ref just goes up to him afterwards and says, hey, man, can't do that again, or I'm, I'm flagging it. It's not how it works. It's a flag. So how come this particular situation, there should be a, a, a handshake agreement between the ref and the player? Now, I will say, and this is according to the majority of players that have spoken about this, there seems to be this, this sort of under-the-table agreement between players and coaches, or players, coaches, and refs about lining up, and the refs will give you a heads up. But Kadarius Tony didn't ask for the heads up. And Dan Orlovsky said that it is in, I, I have it right here. I think it's at the end he says this. I want to make sure I get him on the right quote here because I'm almost positive that he says that it is incumbent on the ref to tell Kadarius Tony he's committing a flag. So is he offsides on that final play? Yeah, he probably is. But he was three, four, five other times in that game. So it's incumbent upon the officials in that situation to make sure he gets warned because that final play. It, are we, it, it, this is Looney Tunes. Am I in a fictional reality today? It is incumbent on the ref, he says, to let Kadarius Tony know, hey, pal, you're about to blow this game for your team. Maybe he could have done that if Kadarius Tony bothered to check with the judge in the first place. But no, apparently it's incumbent on the ref. The ref should have walked up to Kadarius Tony, tapped him on the shoulder, and dragged his ass backwards for him to make sure he was lined up like your coach would do back in the day when you were playing uh, Pop Warner. I remember back in the day, our coaches would drag our asses backwards to make sure we were all lined up right so we knew where the hell to be when we were seven, eight years old. That what we're going to do now? Going to have the side judge waltz on in, drag Kadarius Tony's ass back a yard or two so he's lined up? Or are these guys professionals? Can't have it both ways. And I'll say this once again. If he checked and the ref said it, that's a whole other thing. But it is not incumbent on the ref 
to go out of his way without any effort from Kadarius Tony to check with him. It is not incumbent on the ref to go and make sure that all the, the mistakes being made on the offensive line are not being made. And I go back to what we were told by these head refs who had spoken out on this. It was egregious. It's not like he is a centimeter off the ball. And that to me today is what I don't get the most. Look at this. And then ask yourself, what are we arguing? I understand it's a great play, Robert Griffin III. I understand, Dan Orlovsky, that they didn't call it all game. It doesn't negate the fact that it was a flag. And it doesn't negate the fact that nobody knew what the outcome of the play was going to be. And to pretend that we were robbed of that play because of the refs is asinine. And it has got nothing to do with how it benefited me or the Buffalo Bills. Nothing to do with it. And as I will get into later, there's a very real possibility that that shouldn't even have mattered. Because if you look right here, and like I said, we'll talk about this in depth in a little bit after I get all this off my chest about this this bullshit because it's all that anybody seems to be talking about. I got to talk about it myself. Look where the ball is, folks. The ball is at the Bills 49. Last I checked, a false or an offside is a five-yard penalty. And last I checked, Harrison Bucker's got one hell of a leg. In fact, I remember him using that leg to bring that game to overtime against the Bills in the 13-second game. Ball got backed up five yards, didn't get backed up to the Chiefs' own goal line. That flag didn't end the game. It backed the Chiefs up five yards with second down at their own 45 with a minute and a half left. And you want to know what happened? They didn't gain another yard. You want to sit here today and tell me the Chiefs lost that, pl- that game on that play? They needed about 15 yards to get into field goal range, tie it, and I think as a Bills fan, and all of us are, you know what's happening in overtime. Unless we're proven wrong, because we've yet to be proven wrong. They've lost every single time, including to these Kansas City Chiefs. They didn't gain another yard. So why is everybody holding the water today for the Chiefs? When not only... They didn't lose the game on this play. But they committed the flag nonetheless and still had ample opportunities afterwards to make it so that play was never even relevant in the first place. Embarrassing. And I'll tell you this, that happens to the Bills. Nobody's doing what they're doing today. Nobody's doing this. Nobody's talking about it the way they are. Maybe they'd have comments that it's a BS call in their opinion, this, that. Okay, maybe. But I don't think anybody's going to the lengths that they are today. And they are doing that because it was Kelsey and Mahomes. And I've said it before, and I'll say it right now. They get the benefit of that for good reason. They're both first ballot Hall of Famers, which apparently maybe Kelsey isn't now because this is off of his record. And I feel terrible for him today. As Patrick Mahomes said in the, at the podium, uh, he feels terrible for Kelsey. Oh, man, taking away greatness. I don't know how the hell they're putting him in Canton after missing out on this one. I get it. You just, got, you just saw an amazing play by two all-timers get taken off the board. I get it. Josh Allen does this with uh, Khalil Shakir. No one's giving half a damn about it today the way they are right now. And that's just a fact. What happened? What happened to just being able to use common sense 
being honest, being transparent. I, I, I think, you know, guys like Dan Orlovsky, for instance, I think he's coming from a good place. He needs no malintent by what he's doing. But, what, but, but at the same time, it doesn't make it any less unbelievable to me how we are trying on national stages to justify what happened in favor of Kansas City. And once again, I will say, if it was a call that was ticky-tack, subjective, hasn't been called all game, and the ref just so happened to throw it right now, a hold, a pass interference, an illegal contact, whatever, I get you, man. We've all been boned by it before. You know, the other argument, too, is it, it had no effect on the play. Well, most flags don't, in fact. Do you think the Bills' 12th man on the field affected the missed field goal for Denver? Because if you go back and look, the 12th man is standing next to the ref seven yards behind the line of scrimmage. Nobody came close to blocking that field goal. The 12th man on the field didn't matter at all because the 12th man on the field wasn't even lined up on the line. The 12th man on the field was lined up seven yards off the line of scrimmage standing next to the back judge. Didn't have anything to do with the play. Had nothing to do with the fact that he missed the field goal. So you mean to tell me because that didn't affect the play, it shouldn't have been called? You mean to tell me because we were robbed of a great Bills win, they shouldn't have called 12 men on the field? You mean to tell me that because that, that penalty had nothing to do with the outcome of the play, that, that, that we shouldn't have been flagged for it? Think about it in circumstances like this. Go back to what people are saying about it here and think about how ass-backwards it is. And think about all the non-calls and bad calls throughout history. Rams, Saints, as we discussed a couple of weeks ago, for instance, and nobody bitched about it then. And when I talk, when I talk about nobody, I'm talking about the people directly involved, coaches, players, at least not to the, ex the extent that happened after the game here. And that's what makes this infinitely worse to me. Do I think that everybody would have sat around the round table today on live TV and had their debates about it? I, sh I do. Do I think they would have done that if it, if it wasn't a, you know, if there wasn't an explosion by the face of the league and his head coach? I think they still would have. But what makes it infinitely more unbelievable to me is that not only did all this occur, and it occurred correctly, but what preceded that was maybe the biggest meltdown we've ever seen by a star NFL player of Patrick Mahomes' caliber. Perhaps the biggest meltdown we've ever seen by a star quarterback. Perhaps the worst display of sportsmanship I think I might have ever seen in the league. People want to say, oh, well, Tom Brady used to just walk off the field. I don't think that's very respectful at all. In fact, I can't stand it when guys walk off on the field. For instance, when Brady didn't go and shake Nick Foles' hand after he lost to him in the Super Bowl, to me, that's cowardly. Go shake the guy's hand. Right? But I got to tell you, in a moment like this, as you're about to watch again with me here, and I'm sure you've all seen it, in a moment like this, I would have preferred Mahomes just walked off the field. And I'm sure today he probably prefers the same because this is a terrible look for him. Terrible look. And there's no defending it. He looked like a kid who just didn't get what he wanted for Christmas. And we all know those kids. In fact, growing up, I remember playing CYO. And my buddy, I'll leave his name out. He's still my buddy today. But I look back on it. My buddy... His dad and my dad, we were, they were all coaches. And he got, a, you know, he got a penalty in the game or something that happened in the basketball game. And he took off his jersey in the middle of the game, threw it, and 
had an absolute episode. And I remember that to this day. I'm 26. But you want to know what I look back on it? I think at the time we were nine years old. And as my dad watches today, he remembers it too. I know for a fact he does. We were nine years old. Do I remember it? Yeah. And is it funny now knowing that, you know, we grew up and, the, and he's actually a great dude and I, don't, I could never see him doing like something like that again. No, I, of course. And it, 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 I always remember it too because it was so funny. Never really see anything like it. Truth of the, you know, you, you peel back the layer as you get older and yeah, we were nine years old and it was CYO basketball. This was worse to me. It was a worse display. And this is a grown man, a two-time Super Bowl champion, a two-time MVP with millions of people watching doing what I think to be maybe twice as bad as whatever that was in my CYO game when I was in fourth grade. This is after the game, after Josh Allen. And let me preface this, by the way. Let me preface this. Okay. I don't know if we can, we can pinpoint a guy within the last five to seven years who's had more heartbreaking losses than 17 here. And I know for a damn fact that there's not a single player in the league who's had a more heartbreaking loss than Josh Allen in that 13-second game. There's not a single one that comes even remotely close. And ironically enough, that just so happened to come at the hands of the guy that he's embracing right now. And every, every, every single time, every single time Josh Allen has been on the shit end of a moment like that, he has gone over and embraced the other quarterback, congratulated him, moved on. And not only did he do that, but he goes to the podium. And yeah, does it get a little redundant at times when you see the quarterbacks and the coaches give the PC answers? Sure it does. But why do you think on here, every chance I get, I always praise the fact that Josh Allen does that and McDermott does that? Because that's what you're supposed to do. And it's not whatever this is. Yeah, you might not get the most honest answer at the time. Like, for example, a couple weeks ago when Josh Allen was asked his thoughts on not running a play with 20 seconds left and kneeling the ball, and he said it was the right call. Do you really think Josh Allen thinks it was the right call? And the answer is an unequivocal no. But his coach made the call, and what's done is done. And him going against that, not only would be a bad look for him, it'd be an even worse look for McDermott, who has already taken heat for it. You don't do it. You especially don't go up to Jalen Hurts after the game and say, I can't fucking believe my coach didn't let me take the snap with 20 seconds left. Because that would have been the exact equivalent to what I'm just about to show you right now. You imagine going into the coin flip before the uh, overtime period, and as they're walking up to flip it, Josh Allen goes up to Hurts and says, I can't fucking believe that my coach wouldn't let me take the snap with 20 seconds left and he made us kneel, kneel the ball. Biggest load of bullshit I've ever seen. I want you to imagine that happening. I want you to imagine watching that and then imagine rooting for that guy and that team. How would you feel about that? Because I'll tell you right now, if I saw that unfold, I'd think a hell of a lot differently about Josh Allen today. funny i'm almost willing to give mahomes some sort of pass on this he has been terrific up until now it is not easy to be the face of the league and never have any controversy that's why love or hate lebron i've never seen anything like it the guy has been the biggest athlete on the face of the planet for the last quarter century and he's never once gotten into any sort of controversy nothing the biggest controversy lebron's gotten himself involved with was going on television to announce he was taking his talents to miami 
It's ungodly impressive. It's got nothing to do with the play on the field. Nobody, nobody acknowledges being good at the podium, being a good sportsmanship because it's what you're supposed to do. Everybody acknowledges it when even one time you go out of bounds. This is the one time for Mahomes. But consequently, it just so happens to be the one time Mahomes has ever really faced any consistent uh, adversity in his career. We're talking about a guy ever since he started in this league has never played a road playoff game, has hosted the AFC championship every single year, has rolled through the regular season every single year, and has never come close to having the stint he's had the last couple of months here where things just aren't falling the Chiefs way. So we don't know what Patrick Mahomes truly is in the light of adversity because we really haven't seen it. I mean, yeah, sure, they got their ass kicked against the Bucs in the Super Bowl, and he handled that quite well. I get that. I get it. But we really don't have a gigantic list of examples to pull up here of Mahomes being able to act accordingly in circumstances that everybody else has to deal with on a weekly basis, like Josh Allen. And it all came to a head yesterday, and that wasn't just because of what unfolded yesterday. That was a result of a variety of outcomes recently that have not gone the Chiefs' way that just happened to explode, exploded in real time. But the problem is when you are Patrick Mahomes of that stature, face of the league, best player in the league, you can't have that happen. And it did. And I got to tell you, still, you know, I still think Mahomes for what he's been, if he's going to be the modern day Brady or the modern day Elway, Montana, he's done a pretty damn good job up until now. And he's had his one slip up here, but I got to be honest with you, man. I I get it, and I think it's totally justifiable. I get it if you can't really look at Patrick Mahomes the same today. I'm having a tough time doing so myself because I have never seen anything quite like this. So it starts here where Patrick Mahomes makes his way. Shout out to Thad Brown. I mean, yeah, there's a ton of cameras rolling, but I, Thad Brown's angle is the only one I've seen. So, I, you know, shout out to Thad Brown. Had the, had the camera rolling and didn't forget to turn on the mic either. Here's what unfolds as the two quarterbacks go to what you would imagine pay their respects to each other after a terrific hard-fought game. You know, the more I watch it, the more insane it gets to be. First of all, what does he expect Allen to say? Yeah, man, yeah, you guys should have won that one. What, what was Allen supposed to say? Yeah, man, you, got, you guys got boned. I, I wouldn't know what that feels like. I love Allen's at reaction to me is absolutely terrific. It's subtle. You wouldn't think much of it, but Mahomes just bitching a storm. Look at <laughs> Double tap. See you later, buddy. Yeah, I love that. What do you think's going through Allen's mind in that moment? Like this, this dude can't be serious right now. You can't be serious right now. This, of course, came after the absolute tirade he went on after they officially didn't have the ball anymore and the game was over. They're showing it on um, the broadcast, right? And at the time, you don't know exactly what's unfolding. And I was on the phone with my dad at the time. We're watching it. And I had thought 
And I honest to God, I kind of I kind of thought it was this would have made a little more sense to me because we're now talking about like four losses this season that have been on the wide receivers. I thought Mahomes was just ripping Kadarius Tony a new asshole. That's what I thought was happening. I thought he was up in Tony's grill like you got to be shitting me. We dropped the ball against the Eagles. We dropped like 12 balls week one against Detroit. We have the missed um, pass interference last week. Not necessarily the fault of the receiver, but still one more thing to add to the fire. And now this, and I thought he was just going off on Tony and the wide receivers. Nope. And it goes back to what makes me so upset about all of these media members holding the, the Chiefs' hands today. Why is it the ref's fault, and why is Mahomes targeting the refs? They committed the flag. And if anybody today goes on live TV, radio, whatever, and backs up the narrative that the Chiefs got hosed by the refs, then you're essentially just doing the equivalent of what Mahomes did without the, the absolute episode involved. Instead of taking any accountability, right? Instead of almost understandably going and, and having a word with the receiver. Instead of just maybe not doing anything at all and, and, and saying, hey, man, this, we, this, well, no matter what you thought, this one didn't roll our way. And several have. No. We all remember the ticky-tack hold last year against the Eagles that put the, the Chiefs right on the goal line and they win the game. And at the time, especially as an Eagles better that night, I hated the call. Hated it. And I would go on to tell you that you can't, and I, I still say this to this day, but I got, I, I got to give you two angles here. I, to this day, I say, you can't make that call in that moment. And you want to know why I felt that way? Because I had money on the Eagles, and I just did not want to see the Chiefs win another Super Bowl, right? But when you watch the play, do I think it was ticky-tack? Do I think yeah, in that moment? I do. But by the letter of the law, man, that's a, that, it was a hold. It was. And if we're going to get to the point where we're arguing over calls being correct or not, everybody does it. You can't do it like this, especially after I just gave you an example on the world's biggest stage where one of those type of calls happened to go your way. Do I think the Chiefs still win that game without that hold? Or they were already heading into scoring territory. Yeah, I do. But it's not like you never gotten a call, Pat. And it's not like it's never gone your way, and it's not like it won't go your way in the future at some point. But it makes you wonder what the fallout of all this will be for Mahomes and the Chiefs. Because the target's now on their back. They are going to get blasted with a fine. There's no doubt in my mind. You've seen way less occur get fined big bucks in the past. But when we're taking into consideration that this guy is the face of the league, every single person with remote interest in football has not only seen that, but is talking about that today. It just so happens to be, like I said, the face of the league with the team that has been the, the honeypot for the league for the last however many years now. You take all that into consideration, you got to imagine when that all occurs in that moment and it hasn't happened in the past, the NFL is not going to take that lightly. And I'd be stunned if that fine wasn't drastically, uh, you know, eye-popping when you see the number. And I think it almost has to be. 
You know, I, I always bring this up too when we're talking about all of these situations. In fact, I talked about this with Nick Sirianni after he beat the Chiefs and he's caught on video walking off the field and he's saying, oh, what do the Chiefs fans got to say now, this and that? What did I say to you guys? I said, um, I want you to imagine if Coach McDermott would do that and how you'd feel. And me personally, that's just not my style. Us fans, hell yeah. I'm telling the Chiefs fan, hey, put it, save it in your drafts, pal. See you next time, right? You can't do that as the as the coach. You can't do that as the quarterback. You know, I'll even let it slide. You know, you're a, you're a defensive line. Like if I if Deion Dawkins did it, like like what happened with the Jets, it's a it's a different, it's a whole different ball game. There's two categories in the sport that are ruled differently than others: the quarterback and the coach. The rest is completely different. If a D lineman goes up and does what Mahomes does yesterday, it'll get talked about, but really no one will care and it'll be done. It'd probably already be done by tonight, right? If if a random tackle or D lineman or whatever, or a cornerback, God knows who, really, and even one of prominence, really. If even, you know, if Trent McDuffie or, or Chris Jones, who, speaking of which, him and, him and the defensive coach, another episode on the sideline yesterday, I mean, it, it, was, it, was like a, it was like an afternoon special over there on the Chiefs' sideline. But even if one of those players goes and does that, it doesn't really matter as much because it's just not viewed the same. That's what I'm getting at here. It's a whole different ball game when it comes to the stature that you have in this league. And nobody has higher stature than quarterback. Nobody in the quarterback position has higher stature than Patrick Mahomes. You're held to a different standard. So that's why it's so insane that it happened. And that's why, to me, I think it's so uh, just un- un- unbelievable that he was the one who did it. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of people be like, oh, you're so sensitive. Who really cares? I, I get it, truly. Like, whatever. It doesn't bother me at all. I mean, really, it doesn't affect my life. But I know how these things work. That's going to be remembered forever. I understand. First ballot Hall of Famer, it doesn't matter. I've said it a thousand times. Mahomes retires today. He's in Canton. Doesn't change that. But look at you. You're, you'll never forget this when it comes to Mahomes. You're going to look back on it, and this will always be there. The after the Bills game tirade followed by the press conference. Now, let me pull the press conference up because this, to me, is where it gets even crazier. Because at this point, you know, the Allen thing to me is insane. How you bring that up to the opposing player. I can't even, I can't even fathom it. But, you know, stepping back, let me put myself in his shoes. He's, at, he's obviously just ungodly heated. It's in the moment. Once you get to the press, the presser, right? You've had at least 20 or so minutes to decompress. And you also know you're speaking directly to the world at that point. And you'd think a guy who's been in this situation how many times? A million times going and just doing your routine um, post-game press conference, you'd think that there would be the wherewithal to know that you got to just pull it back. Like if that happened with Allen, or if what Mahomes did with Allen happened, and then he goes to the presser and says, I just want to apologize. Um Look, I don't think I didn't like the way things went tonight, but I didn't mean to take it out on this and that. It's, it's all forgotten. Like, yeah, you'll look back. You will look back at what he did with Allen there and be like, man, that's that's some, that's some BS. 
but hey, at least he took accountability for it and manned up at the at the end of it, apologized and, and moved on. The fact that you go and double down on it, it is truly a one-on-one situation. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, like I said, it happens and he goes up there and just goes, I, I just, I, I know it unfolded on the field. I'm sure people saw it. I just want to say it was out of character for me. I really hated in the moment, hated how things went tonight uh, at the end there. And, and really, you know, the last couple of weeks, we've really not played our best football. It's not gone well for us. And I didn't mean to, to, to display my frustrations like that. I apologize. It's a topic of conversation today, but nobody really gives a shit, you know, and it'll be moved on from. And over time, I think it's forgotten. I mean, us Bills fans will certainly remember the interaction with Allen, but I don't know if it gets remembered as much as it will now. Because you can't go online today and not see this. You can't turn on the TV without seeing it. You can't turn on the radio without hearing it. And I think when it comes to a guy of this stature, it's just never going to not be linked to him. And I think deservingly so, because this is a one-on-one unprecedented situation, in my, in my opinion. I don't think we've ever seen anything like this. And you let me know in the comments if you have an example. I'm still waiting for one. Like I said, the closest one that anybody gave me was Brady ripping the refs up and down, walking into the tunnel, which then itself is bad enough. But I don't think he went to the presser and said anything afterwards, nor did he go to the opposing player and do it either. Here's the press conference post-game. Here's what Patrick Mahomes had to say. You should. I mean, it's I mean, obviously tough to swallow. Um, I mean, not, not only for, for me, but just for football in general. I mean, just to take away greatness like that. I mean, for a guy like Travis to make a play like that. And who knows if we win. But as I know as fans, you want to see the guys on the field decide the game. And that's why last week. I didn't say anything about the flag. They didn't get called on the Marquez. And so, I mean, I, it's, I mean, they're human, man. They make mistakes. But, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's every week we're talking about something, and all I can do is go out there and give everything I have. And I'm proud of the guys because that's what we did. And it was a great football game that ended – another great football game that just ended like that. It's just tough, tough to swallow. Patrick, what, what do you – lack of better term, what made it boil over? Was it that itself or was it the – it's, 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 it's the call, man. Just in that moment, I mean – it's it's not even for my, myself or for me. It's just I know how much everybody puts into this game and for it to to happen on a flag change outcome of a game um, in that moment. I mean, I, I've played seven years, never had that, never had offense all sides called. I mean, that's we that's elementary school. We we talk about. I mean, you point to the ref, do all that different type of stuff, and. And it doesn't get called. He, he didn't do that. They, they warn you, and there was no warning throughout the entire game. This kills um, me. And then you wait till there's a minute left in the game to make a call like that. Um, it's just tough, man. It, it, I mean, lost words, man. It's I mean, look at this. Tough, because regardless if we win or lose, man, just just for the, the end with another game, and we're talking about the refs, man. It's just not what we want for the for the NFL and for football. And he wouldn't have done that. He would not have done that. Had they have executed on second and 15, third and 15, fourth and 15, and either got into touchdown territory or field goal territory, you're never going to hear that. He did that because they lost. There's a couple things there I can't stand. One, he deflects it onto everybody else but himself. He brings up the legacy of Travis Kelsey. He brings up NFL fans, right? He brings up the fact that this happens every week and we're talking about officiating. He keeps saying, you know, not just me, not just me. We, these guys work so hard. Nobody else did what you did, though. Why is he deflecting the entire thing? 
you're the one who had the tantrum. You're the one who then brought that tantrum over to the opposing player. Now you're bringing that in a, in a more mild manner, mind you, but nonetheless, to the podium. And you're deflecting it onto everybody else. The other thing, too, for the game to end like that, how, brother, the game, did, the game was far from over. I've watched you rip my heart out with 13 seconds left at your own 20. You mean to tell me you can't pull off a field goal attempt at your own 45 on second down with three timeouts? Get out of here. This is all a result of the fact that he lost. He didn't have that tantrum right after it happened. He had that tantrum after three consecutive plays occurred following that play where they didn't gain a yard. Frustrated because they didn't do shit with the ball after that and immediately posted the blame on the refs and doubled down on it and doubled down on it. He also said, that's why I didn't say anything last week. Now, let me defend him for a second. They got, they got hosed last week. Absolute pass interference in that Packers game that was not called, they got hosed. I'm not going to deny that. But what he's now saying is he wanted to do that last week. He certainly did. Didn't say anything that last week. But I'll say this. If he did say something last week, I'm not going to stand here and defend him for ripping uh, the refs on the podium. I'm not going to stand here and defend him. If he went up to Jordan Love and said to him, "Unfucking believable! I can't believe they didn't call that pass interference." I, I'm probably a little more lenient about it just because of how bad of a no call that was, how obvious it was, and you know, it clearly was the wrong call. Let's get back to the precipice of this entire situation. This is all occurring off of a call that everyone on the planet knows was accurate. The other thing I can't stand, and it's what everybody else is saying too, warning, warning, they give you a warning, they give you a warning. It's like we've all been here. You know, you get a speeding ticket. I've been in in this situation before. You get pulled over for speeding. And hey, maybe the cop's having a great day and he says, hey man, you know, you know, you never got on a ticket before. Slow down. Okay. Keep it on the speed limit and head home. Everybody's got a story like that. Right? Everybody knows somebody, even if it hasn't happened to you, who's gotten pulled over. Cop comes up, they let it slide. Right? Everybody also has a story where they get pulled over. They don't think they really did anything wrong. Maybe that cop's having a bad day, or maybe the cop's just doing his job. And at the end of the day, right, at the end of the day, even though you're mad about it, even though you didn't think you did anything wrong, and even though you're thinking everybody goes 10 over the speed limit, unfortunately, and even though I, you know, we all do, we all go over the speed limit, even though everyone does it and usually gets left off on it or never gets caught with it, if you did get caught with it and you did get a, a, a ticket for it, at the end of the day, you, you, you did technically do what was, you know, breaking the law. Technically. Does it suck? Yeah. And I can't deny, does it suck for the Chiefs? I mean, of course it does. Obviously. 
course it's I, I mean if that happened to the Bills, it just go I'll go back to the 12 seconds again. Of course it sucks. Like I said, it didn't affect the play at all, right? It's a mindless error, as was this, and it lost them the game. But I can't deny the fact that they did it. And I don't know if everybody's necessarily denying the fact that they did it, but they're saying, yes, it happened, but you just can't, you can't do it there. And that would be, to me, the equivalent of, like, Allen going to the podium after that Broncos game and just saying, I don't know how you can penalize 12 men on the field there when it doesn't matter. Everybody would have looked at him and been like, what the hell are you talking about, man? It's like the most simple rule in football, 11 on each side. But to me, this is like the exact same situation. And we all have a similar in, in real life example where you feel like it sh something shouldn't have gone your way like that. But at the end of the day, it did. And when you step back and you put your anger aside and you put the fact that you wish it went the other way aside and you're like, this totally blows, but I mean, yeah, it, it happened. That happened. Everybody's got a story like that. But to, to, to plaster it everywhere for eternity, the way he did in multiple different instances, from the sideline to Allen to the podium, just unbelievable to me. And, you know, we, you know, we always go for a while here and we still, we of course will tonight, but even so, it's like even here tonight. I'm so fired up about it and how it's unfolded that I got an hour 15 under my belt here just talking about it. But the reason I'm talking about it, I feel like, is for very different reasons than everybody else seems to be talking about it. Everybody else is talking about it because they feel like the Chiefs got bone. And I, when, I'm, when I see stuff like that, I have got to, to take some time and, and try to, to, to inject some, some common sense on the other side here because I just don't get it. I don't see it. And I'm not saying that if I'm a Chiefs fan today, I wouldn't be sick. I don't. I wouldn't feel like we absolutely blew that game. I, I would feel all of those things, and I would also probably feel, man, yeah. I, would I probably be saying the refs never call that? I can't believe they called it there. Probably, but once again, as I'll keep saying, I would have said I would have looked at the flag, or I would have looked at the play, and I would have said, I mean, he did it. He did it, and then I would have probably said. Classic Bills for, for doing that. You know, 12 men on the field, this, right? That's what I said after the, the, 12, the 12 men on the field thing. I said, how classic is this? The most basic rule in the game. 12 guys on the field. You're coming off a timeout. How does this happen? But I never said, you can't call it. Because it happened. And I can't believe after such a great football game that the, the narrative has been hijacked so egregiously. And it's like no one today is talking about the fact that the Buffalo Bills went in there and got the job done, won that game, and Allen might have made the play of the century in pursuit of that victory as well. I mean, instead of talking about maybe the greatest throw I've ever, the greatest sequence I've, I've ever seen, that wasn't a, you know, a game winner or a touchdown or whatever. I mean, that throw to Latavius Murray, that, that, that's an all-time play. And instead today, the, the, the talking point is let's talk about a pass interference that everybody, or excuse me, a, a offsides that everybody knows, you know, occurred. But, you know, let's talk about it because it feels like it's, uh, you know, unfortunate for the Chiefs. And because of that, um, we got to explain why uh, they, they got boned. We got to explain why, uh, you know, it's unfair to Mahomes and this and that. 
And I've seen some of this too, by the way. I've seen some people talk about Mahomes' tirade afterwards and that. But I'll I'll tell you, I I think he's getting off incredibly easy, in my opinion. I've seen more talk today about the controversy over the call and dissecting whether or not it should be called than people sitting around talking about the fact that it happened and the face of the league proceeded to go on maybe the biggest uh tirade we've ever seen from a from an athlete of his stature I, i'd say the ratio has got to be like a, a quarter quarter of uh the, the content i've seen talks about mahomes to some capacity everything else is just talking about the flag and whether or not it was bullshit and it can't i can't help but think i mean i know for a fact but the thing is alan would never do that i would be ungodly stunned if alan did that i mean even when alan said uh what did he say at one time he was like, oh, well, we got a lot of um, we got a lot of all all pro offensive coordinators at home or whatever. Like, even when he said that, I was like, that's out of character for him. I can't believe he said that. And even that's like, okay, whatever. I still don't love it, but if that's gonna be his most frustrated at the podium, I mean, who's not signing up for that? And uh I could never see Allen doing that. But I can't help but wonder if it was him, if it was, um, man, I mean, really fill in the blank. Anybody. I, I, like, I think they're getting absolutely torched today. So incredibly insane situation that unfolded. But what I can't stress enough is how about it happened against the Bills and it wasn't the Bills that were the ones that were the, the implosion. That, to me, is like what makes this 10 times better. Not only did the Bills win that game, but it results in the biggest implosion we've ever seen from the Kansas City Chiefs since they've been on this incredible run with Mahomes. I mean, this is the biggest crack in the, in the dam we've seen from them ever. And it comes at the hands of a loss to Josh Allen and the Bills. And that's what's most nuts to me because it just feels like it would always be the other way. And it has been the other way. I mean, how many times do you continuously hear up until now, and even, even last week when the Tyler Dunn piece come out, you still keep hearing the Chiefs broke the Bills. The 13 seconds ruined the Bills. You hear that all the time. So the fact that this happened the way it did and the Bills not only beat the Chiefs and win that game, but the result of it is all of this, and the Bills were the beneficiary of it, it's almost like being in, a, in an alternate reality. Uh, it's crazy. A buck 20 in, and we got that off of our chest for now. Maybe it pops up a little bit later on as we talk about stuff. That's the, that's the meat and potatoes of the offside herd around the world. But we got an actual game that we got to discuss because at the end of the day, that, in my opinion, is not ultimately what lost the Chiefs that game. There were a variety of factors that lost in that game, including the way that they chose to approach the plays following that particular play, right? Because Everyone assumes that, and this is the way it's being like uh, almost portrayed. It, it's being pushed across as if the Chiefs did that hook and lateral play on the final play of the game, and then right after that, because of the uh, the offsides, it was fourth and forever from their own thirty, and they would have had to have completed an eighty yard hail mary in order to win it. Like that's not what happened. And if you weren't paying attention, I don't know even know how you would know it today. It's not even being referenced. 
the fact that that game was still far from over. Because if you're a Bills fan, you're like, you're like, wow, I can't believe that they called that back. But then you're immediately going to, well, I'll be damned. It's still second and 15, and they need about 15 yards to get into field goal range. And I've seen this movie a thousand times. So you can't sit here and tell me today that that's the, 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 the Chiefs lose on that play because they sure as hell didn't. Granted, their chances of winning go infinitely up if they get that play to go their way. But you can't tell me that game was over. But the Bills get it done, right? Seven and six, moving on. Before we talk about the game coming up, or excuse me, the game that just happened, let's quickly talk about what's coming up ahead of us, and that's a game against the Dallas Cowboys. And it just so happens to be a game that the Buffalo Bills, ready for this, two-point favorites. Shout out to BetUS, the newest sponsor of the smoke break. They are incredible at providing all of your sports wagering needs, including putting a little coin on the Buffalo Bills game this coming week against the Dallas Cowboys. Now, mind you, looking at the spread here, the Buffalo Bills are two-point favorites. We talk about this all the time. Usually, you get about a three-point uh, you know, advantage based on being at home. What this is telling you is that if we were on a neutral field here, the Bills would probably be about a one-point underdog. More or less, the way Vegas is looking at this game, it's about a coin flip. Toss-up is even as it gets, and that's crazy to think because we just watched the Eagles absolutely put on a masterclass last night against the Philadelphia Eagles and run them out of the building. So minus two, look at the Bills season's on the line. It's at home, and the Dallas Cowboys are a far different team on the road than at home. So right here, right now, I'm telling you, I'm taking the minus two with the Buffalo Bills here on BetUS, and I'm going to put a couple of bucks on. I got some some cash up in my uh, my ledger there from throughout the year here, and I'm going to throw I'm going to throw a hundy on it. I think because the way I see it, the Bills right now they seem inspired, and we'll talk about that later on in the show as to why I think that. But it seems palpable. You can see it. And I think there's something to be said about the uh, the Cowboys winning as easily as they did last night. Are they going to be able to take that type of performance on the road to Buffalo and do the same, especially when we've seen all year long their inability to do that on the road? I don't think so. I got to keep putting my I got to keep putting my belief in these Bills and betting on them because even in that Eagles game, it was they it was the right it went the right way for them. It, it ultimately at the end just crumbled, and we've seen that a thousand times. I believe in this team. Right now, I'm going to throw 100 bucks right now on BetUS for the Bills to cover that minus two against uh, the Dallas Cowboys. And you can do the same. You can do whatever you'd like. You can bet on a variety of different things over at BetUS. You can bet on parlays, teasers, straight up bets like we're doing here, prop bets, of course. You can bet on the NBA, NHL, NFL, everything in between. Absolutely awesome. And, of course, you can use that 125% sign-up bonus, the link in the description which makes it that much more awesome. So make sure to take advantage of that. It's right down below. You click on that, you sign up, you get the 125% bonus and you're on your way. And if you want, you can tell me and uh, and put a little money on the Bills minus two. So can't wait for that game. But of course, before we even dive into that, we have got to talk about what unfolded actually on the field yesterday outside of an offsides call. But before we do that real quick, one last word from our friends over at BetUS. BetUS, America's favorite sports book, where you can bet on everything, anytime. Sportsbook, casino, horse racing, live betting, and more. 
We have the best bonuses in the industry. That's right, get a 125% sign-up bonus. And to celebrate our 30-year anniversary, we are giving up to 30 risk-free bets, a truck, Super Bowl tickets, and more. Don't miss out. Play smart. Join now. BetUS, where the game begins. BetUS, where the game begins. Once again, 125% bonus in the description below. Shout out. That US. All right. So yesterday, 30 to 7, or excuse me, 20 to 17. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. And a lot more happened on the field than the offsides call that everybody and their mother, including myself, who just spent an hour and a half on, is talking about. What happened on the field was uh, essentially what I think we've seen from both of these teams a lot throughout this season, right? We have seen a Buffalo Bills team that has been able to take advantage of particular circumstances and take leads and bring those into the fourth quarter. And then all of a sudden seem like they're going to falter, right? We've seen the Buffalo bills take how many games into the fourth quarter with a lead yesterday would have been their fifth. And I think the four ones prior to that, they had lost Um, obviously not including the games that they dominated in like the commanders game and the Raiders game, but the games where it was a one score game or so bringing it into the fourth quarter they had lost, and this was a game where they had taken a sizable lead early on, 14 to nothing. You're thinking maybe they could go down the field and make it 17 or 21 to nothing the way things were going before the Allen pick. They just seemed like they came out with the, with the um, you know, more of an edge, and you can understand that just based on the situation that they're in, also coming off of the McDermott situation as well. And they were able to take advantage of the Chiefs early on. I was impressed by their ability to put the – 14 points up early and hang on to it for as long as they did. We know as of right now, the strongest point for this chiefs team has been their defense. Surprisingly, their offense has not been the one to be relied on as much as their defense has been this year. And that's what I'm getting at. I think we saw a lot of what we've seen from both these teams all year long with the bills. We have seen, you know, a Josh Allen interception. We have seen this team take leads and blow them. We have seen this team not be able to put together an entire game, right? We've seen good halves followed by halves where it just seems like it goes completely south. And I would argue that yesterday it sort of did in the second half offensively. And I think we talk about that even more today. Had that offsides call never been thrown and the Bills are unable to go down and score points um, afterwards. I think we talk about that a lot more today. But I think what we saw from the Bills a lot with what we have seen in the past and that's just their inability to consistently keep their foot on the throttle and just ride it all the way home. Um, with the Chiefs, I think we've seen a lot of what we've seen of, from them recently as well. Kansas City's defense being able to stand tall when it counted, and I think they did that well throughout the duration of the second quarter or second half, excuse me, only allowing three total points in the second half. Um, you know, obviously forcing the Allen turnover, getting an insane amount of pressure on Josh Allen. In fact, I think that was about as heavily pressured as Josh Allen has been all year. I mean, this offensive line has not been given nearly enough credit this season for how great they have been 
Allen has not been getting sacked nearly as much as we're used to, and he's also not getting pressured nearly as much either as a result. But yesterday, they were on him like gravy on potatoes in the second half, and the Bills really had no answer for it. But the Chiefs' offense, as has been occurring for the majority of the season, shockingly, has just not been able to answer the bell. This was their sixth game of the season, I believe, scoring 20 points or less. And I saw this stat earlier. The, pre- the, the previous 81 games prior to this season, the Chiefs had only lost, or excuse me, the, the Mahomes-led Chiefs had only had six games where they had scored 20 points or less. This season, or, no, am I getting that right? I got it right here. Oh, okay. First 81 games of Patrick Mahomes' career, six games under. 20 points. So it's even worse than I thought. Six games under 20 points. Six games this season held to under 20 points. And they've actually won a couple of those. They scored less than 20 against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They were able to win that game. Um, Their offense has just not been the dominant, scary Mahomes, Kelsey, look the hell out offense that we're used to. And it's cost them in a variety of games this year. And not only has it not been as prolific, but they've also shot themselves in the foot more than we'd ever come to expect from a team that just seems to always have an answer. Like I mentioned earlier, and last night's no different with the offsides, there was a variety of other things throughout the year that have not been very Chiefs-like. Unbelievable amount of drops from the, uh, the wide receivers, blowing the game against the Eagles late there as a result of that drop that early season loss in week one to the Lions where it just felt like they weren't the better team and were dropping balls left and right in that game, getting dominated by the Denver Broncos 24 to nine without the ability to score an offensive touchdown all game long. Um, Looking pretty pedestrian against the New York Jets in that primetime game a couple of months ago. There's only been one or two games this year where the Chiefs have really looked like the Chiefs. The majority of the other games have been more like what we saw yesterday. Well, there are moments where you're definitely going to get flashes of it, but the consistency is all but gone, it seems. And they're no longer the team where you are basically shitting your pants in in fear of them being able to score every single time they touch the ball. And yesterday, uh, down 14 nothing, and if not for Allen putting them in incredible field position, which you got to give them credit, they take advantage of it, was my one of my biggest complaints yesterday of the Bills, two forced turnovers, no points off of it. Allen sets them up in perfect field goal, or excuse me, in perfect um, scoring position. They go down and take advantage of it. But seven points in the first half, follow that up with only 10 in the second half, and another game where they're at 17 points, less than 20 with the inability late to get it done. Understand, you know, the way it broke, they technically did get it done, but, you know, a blunder that took it away. That's happened to them probably three different times this season. And to, to any other team, it's not that big of a shock because you see it happen to these other teams all the time, right? LA Chargers, for example, the Buffalo Bills, maybe the best example. We see it all the time. The, the, the crazy part about it is that we're so not used to seeing it with the Kansas City Chiefs, but the consistency is there now. I think at first when we saw it, where we're just waiting for the Chiefs to all of a sudden turn that dial and go back to what we're used to the seeing from them. But it's happened week over week over week here. Um, so yesterday they had an ample uh, amount of time and opportunity to be able to 
to take advantage of the Bills' inability to get it rolling on offense yesterday. That was a big concern of mine, and it really just felt like the Bills were going to end up on the losing end yesterday because of their lack of adjusting to the to the uh, pass rush in the second half. I thought early in the first half, Joe Brady coached an exceptional football game. The ability to get James Cook, in, Cook involved in the pass game while knowing that it wasn't happening for the receivers was extraordinary to me. That that scheme to get Cook as wide open as he did for the first uh, the first touchdown of the game was incredible. I mean, you know, he he could have walked into the end zone. He was wide open, and that's why when you look back at the box score here and you take a look at the receiving core, James Cook was your leading receiver not only for the Bills but tied with Travis Kelsey for the leading receiver in the game. He was the most dynamic weapon on the field the entire game. And I don't think we've had the ability to say that all year long with James Cook. So big tip of the cap to Joe Brady for getting him involved. I mean, crazy. You draft the guy to be a pass-catching running back, and they've hardly utilized him in that manner. And whenever they do, I love seeing it. It opens up a whole other wrinkle for this team. I think it's way more... Uh, it's way more open for Allen when he's able to utilize him. I think it builds his confidence. It also takes away from playing the hero ball when you have James Cook and the ability to get the ball down to him. But that touchdown to him was immaculate. That was an absolute work of art, and that was all scheme right there, and James Cook cashed it in. Five catches on 83 yards, though, incredible. He caught all five of his targets, obviously took the one into the end zone, and then he put down 58 yards on only 10 rushes, on the ground, so well over a 100-yard all-purpose uh, day with 15 total touches. He, he maximized on just about all of them. When you're going at nearly six yards a clip on the rush and you're as dominant as you are in the pass game, and the thing of it is, you look back on it, and where would the Bills have been yesterday if James Cook didn't have the day he did? Their second-leading receiver was Dawson Knox, who's fresh off the injury, and he only had 36 yards. If we're going down to looking at receivers, the leading wide receiver for the Bills yesterday was Deontay Hardy, who only had one catch. Now, granted, that was maybe the catch of the day outside of the Latavius Murray quote-unquote catch. That was huge. That was late. That was third down and five-ish or so. I forget the exact amount of yards to gain, but an unreal poise throw from Josh Allen standing in the pocket, dead-on pressure, got the ball right to Hardy, crossing over to the right sideline. It was a beautiful ball, and Hardy cashed it in. But my God. One target, one catch for uh, for Deontay Hardy for 25 yards, and that leads all wide receivers for the Buffalo Bills. Stephon Diggs, 11 targets, four catches. I'll give the Kansas City defense a ton of credit. I mean, they made him non-existent, and I think it got into his head to some degree because he dropped at least two balls that I can remember, including the one before the two-minute warning which threw this team into a tailspin. If I could point out one element of that game yesterday that made me damn near vomit, and I think today if the Bills lose, we look back at that sequence and we we are just shredding it. I got to give it some shredding today. That sequence before the two-minute warning was unacceptable. I don't know if it's the fault of McDermott or Brady or what, and it certainly wasn't helped by the fact that Stephon Diggs drops a screen pass. But you are already gifted the um, 
illegal contact down the field that was able to extend the drive. And it's right before the two-minute warning. And obviously, with the knowledge in mind that Mahomes at any given time can go and score in no time at all, the goal is not only to score, but of course, waste as much time as humanly possible. And if you just run the ball on first down, it immediately takes you to the two-minute warning, and you're operating on the other side of that to try and go and score. But they run the screen pass right before the two-minute warning there, drop ball, and then what would proceed would be, what, three consecutive throws? And it just felt like if they were able to take the second down to post-two-minute warning, a couple of things could have occurred. Either they continue to run the clock, giving the Chiefs way less time to operate after a field goal attempt or a touchdown, or the Chiefs start burning their timeouts, none of which happened. And they settled for the field goal, and the two-minute warning was completely wasted, um, and it was never maximized. The way, the, way the, the, the play calling was not only called, but executed. And it all started with that drop ball from Stephon Diggs on the screen pass. I did not like the play call there at all. I think you run a hundred times out of a hundred in that situation just to get it down to the two minute warning, because everybody knows, yeah, you're trying to score, but you're, you're just as much trying to run the clock down as well. We know how these things go. We have seen it before. And we're trying desperately to avoid that as much as we are trying to get either in the end zone or get at least three points on the board. Um, But they defended Stefan Diggs extremely well. I mean, they were all over him all game long. I mean, they, they, they tried 11 targets, but he caught damn near a third of them and only 24 yards. But, you know, you look at this list, Kincaid, five catches, but they were all underneath, you know, longest catch was eight yards and he only had 21. Once again, another game where Gabe Davis has zero catches um, on the stat sheet. He should have had at least one and it should have been a touchdown. That's another moment where you look back and you, you're saying, man, the Bills lose this game, and that's that's one we're going to be talking about for a while. The one where Allen looks to the left side, and I believe he tries to throw it to either Kincaid or Knox on the sideline. It was a nice, nice thrown ball, but a very tough catch to make, not only as far as actually catching it, but staying in bounds. It was so close to the sideline. Was not caught. And you look at the replay, and holy smokes, Gabe Davis was as open as humanly possible wide open. And I think immediately on the broadcast, Tony Romo pointed that out. And then you go back and watch the the replay of it as well. Crazy. Now it's so easy to say, you know, you got to make that throw. Allen was under immense pressure on that play as he was for the majority of the second half. No excuse obviously because of how open he was and he still seemingly had the time to get it to him. I mean, he had the time to get it to Kincaid or Knox, whoever that was there. It's a bad miss. And these are the things that you're lucky to look back on in hindsight and say, you got to fix that while still having a win. And this is where I, you know, almost ironically and more, uh, what's the word? I, I, I think today, I'm almost more um, confident in the way that they won than I would be in some of these other games where they either dominate or, or anything else. Because when I look at this sheet and I'm seeing Stefan Diggs go for 24 yards, I'm seeing my leading wide receiver 
be hardy on one catch. I'm seeing my leading all-purpose guy in, in, at any position be James Cook on the in the receiving department. When I'm seeing Josh Allen throwing the ball 42 times with the interception, right? I mean, you're you're looking at all of this. Plus, only 118 yards on the ground on 28 carries. I mean, you're looking at all this, and you're probably thinking it didn't go the Bills' way. So the fact that they were able to win that game is even more impressive to me with all of the stuff you're looking at here in the box score. Because the amount that they had to overcome yesterday was pretty, pretty remarkable. They had to overcome all the bullshit throughout the week. They had to overcome the fact that Stephon Diggs was pretty much taken out of the game. They had to overcome the interception of Josh Allen before the half where they seemingly had all the momentum until they didn't. They had to overcome a Chiefs comeback. They then had to go down the field and take the drive. But, all, you know, biggest of all, they had to overcome the narrative, and rightfully so, that they cannot stop teams in two-minute in, in two drills. And the argument is going to be they didn't stop them. They scored, and it was flagged. And to that I say, I don't know if anybody's stopping that play. And that, of course, today is why everybody is so up in arms about the flag because that's how amazing the play was. And that's just who the Chiefs are. I don't know who's stopping Travis Kelsey throwing a 15-yard a backwards pass for a touchdown. I don't know how we sit here and, and, and rip McDermott today if they lose on that because he didn't defend that. I don't know if, if McDermott's got the play call in the book for the Travis Kelsey unforeseen lateral that had to work to perfection. And of course, who else but the Chiefs works it to perfection? That's why it's so insane that they were offsides there. And that's why it's even more of a signal that these Chiefs are just, it's a weird, a weird spot they're in this year. That does not happen to them, that getting called back. I don't know how you get on them for that. And I'm sure we all, I'm sure, I'm sure we would to some degree, and I'm sure some more than others, that's for sure. But where I got to give the most credit out of anybody on this team outside of Josh Allen is I got to give the credit in that situation to McDermott and this defense for completely doing the opposite that we're accustomed to and it, and it working. They did not sit back and say, hey, Patty, we're going we're to gift you the field goal range. Like they've done not only to him, but to Mac Jones, to Tyrod Taylor, to Baker Mayfield. To basically everybody, Russell Wilson, every single time they've been in that scenario, they play this pseudo prevent defense that makes absolutely no sense. The teams move the ball down the field with ease. They either win it or they tie it. McDermott said to hell with that yesterday. And you know damn well the reason why. He knew that he had to prove something yesterday. And that's why when you saw the relief and look on his face, my God. I can't imagine the pressure he felt, and I can't imagine the sigh of relief he had when not only that flag was thrown, but the fact that they finished the job. And that's what I want to highlight here, okay? And it goes back to the flag situation. I talked a little bit about it before, but I want to talk about it again because to me, this is where the highlight was for the Bills, and this is where, in my opinion, the biggest blunder was for the Chiefs, and this is where I see them losing the game. Do their odds of winning the game go up exponentially if that play stands? Yeah, I'm not an idiot. But they still had their chance to win. And not only 
did they have their chance to win. They had an incredible chance to, at the bare minimum, tie it. And that's what nobody's talking about today. Everyone's talking about that flag for whatever reason. But the one thing that they're not talking about in addition to that is the fact that the Chiefs still had almost a minute and a half of of clock, three timeouts, and the ball at their own 45. If you didn't know any better, you would have thought that that flag occurred either on the last play of the game or you would have thought it occurred at, like, the Chiefs' 10-yard line and they went 90 yards and now they're all the way backed up to their goal line again. You'd never would have thought the way it's talked about that the Chiefs still would have nearly a minute and a half, all three timeouts, and they would be damn near at midfield. It's not being discussed like that at all. And that, to me, is the most asinine part of it. Yeah, did it play a heavy hand in their inability to win that game? You're damn right it did. But I have also watched this team, like I said, and I'll say it a thousand times because to this day, it's one of the worst things I've ever experienced in my life as a sports fan. And I have no shame in saying it. Yeah, I've had, a, I've had a pretty good life up until now. That was one of the worst moments of my damn life ever. I don't care. Yeah, I've had, I've, had a, I've had a good life, damn it, for that to be one of the worst moments of my life. But I'd venture to believe a lot of you would agree with me. If you had somebody tell you to list out the 10 worst things, I, I don't know how you don't have that moment. And not only because it was just being a fan and all that, I still remember what I felt in that moment. I still remember... The, the physical pain I could almost feel. I, I couldn't move. But I don't know if I ever felt, other than like when my grandfather died or my, you know, one of my grandparents passed away or something like that, I don't know that I've ever felt that sort of emotional, like, sickness. We've talked about this on the, I've talked about this before on here, where have you ever gone from being so elated and excited to so sad and depressed in that short of a time span. I don't know how normal that is. And I don't know how often that ever happens to anybody. When do you ever go from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows within no more than five minutes? I mean, unless you're a high roller gambler and you just won like 5 million on a roulette spin and you proceed to lose 30 million five minutes later, which nobody's doing unless you're the 0.0001% of the population. That is the only scenario where that could really happen. And that's, and I've never really felt anything like it before, right? So you can't tell me that the guy who was able to cause that type of emotional pain to me and millions of others was unable to do the same again with what? 10 times the amount of time he had in that moment? Already in the field position to do it as well? You, you got to remember. The 13 seconds, infamous. They kicked the ball out of the end zone. So they start at the 25. This situation, they're at like the 46 with more time than they did than they had then. Three timeouts, and they just need a field goal to extend the game. And it's as much credit to the Bills as it is to the Chiefs for not capitalizing on it. The Bills defense. Nobody today wants to talk about Ed Oliver maybe making the defensive play of the year for this team. The batted down ball. God only knows what happens every time Mahomes releases the ball. 
there's a good chance you're going to get boned just about every single time Mahomes releases the ball. Keep looking over here because I got Chiefs, or excuse me, I got Titans Dolphins on, and Levis the Menace just tied this bitch up. Seven all. Dolphins were like 14-point favorites in this game. All right. Oh, they didn't give it to him. He's down at the inch line. He's going to tie it up. Um, I'm just saying, it, 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 the, you've seen the scenarios. We've talked about it. The Dolphins, the Dolphins lose. Bills win. Week 18 gets a hell of a lot more interesting than uh, maybe you would have thought not all that long ago. But anyway, no one's talking about Ed Oliver maybe making the play of the year for this team defensively. Nobody's talking about the pressure they were able to get on Mahomes to cause him to throw three consecutive incompletions to end that game. And that's in, that's a scenario where we have seen almost every single time the Bills not only give you the time in the pocket to make a completion to extend the game, Henry's in. Not only have they given you the time, they're basically inviting you to do it. The Bills have essentially invited these teams to tic-tac the ball down the field in pursuit of not allowing the big play. And, you know, a big play was allowed, but it wasn't like it was a play where it was just, uh, it was a, on, like a fluke-ass play. And I, when I say fluke, I don't mean like lucky. I mean fluke in, you've watched football for your whole life, you can think on. Uh, you can think off the top of your head, maybe two, three, four laterals ever that have worked. That would have been one of them, and that's why I sit here today saying, even if they lose on that, I don't know if what McDermott was supposed to do. You lose on that play. You, you, you just. I mean, Andy Reid's the greatest play caller of all time. Mahomes might go down as maybe the best to ever play the QB position. Kelsey might go down as maybe the best to ever play the tight end position. What are you gonna do? They just outsmarted the hell out of you, and they actually pulled it off. I mean, I went over the play with you. It was two two centimeters from getting batted down and fumbled. Everything had to go right, and it did, except for Tony standing in the right spot, the most elementary part of the play. But they sent pressure at Mahomes, which nobody does. You're fearful of his ability to kill you. And not, now that that big play was over, you still had to finish the game out. Nobody wants to talk about this. Everybody just assumes the Bills were gifted a win, and they were not. Second and 15 at Kansas City's 46-yard line, and Buckers got one of the best legs in the game, and they didn't gain another yard. And that's credit to McDermott and this Bills defense for pulling it off. They were in Mahomes' face all three of those dropbacks, and it was done. Tip ball from Ed Oliver, and on the fourth down, where he goes for the sticks, obviously, I forget who, but somebody certainly got a hold of his arm and misdirectioned that throw because it was nowhere near where it was supposed to go. I understand that, that now the, the Chiefs have scored less than 20 points six times this year, but the Bills still had to pull it off themselves defensively. I mean, hell, last night I watched the Dallas Cowboys allow six offensive points to the Philadelphia Eagles, who the week prior put up 37 on the Bills. Just because they're not scoring points in certain situations doesn't mean it's going to happen with you. You still got to execute it. You still got to pull it off. And you got to do all of that with your playoff life on the line, 
and with McDermott's pride and, and really reputation to some degree on the line. And I'm going to, I can't wait to get to talking about that in a couple minutes here, because I think that might be the biggest victory of the day yesterday. What happened there. And that to me might be what has me the most confident about this team's ability to do something there. You know, I'm not going to guarantee anything. I'm not going to say they're going to do it. I, but I got to tell you, my confidence level was in the gutter a couple of weeks ago. And I'm about as confident as I can get in the, in the situation that they're in right now. I'll just say that. We now have three straight weeks where they've played their best football to, to, to some extent in comparison to what they had did prior to that. And yesterday was not a beauty pageant. It certainly was not. But the majority of the games aren't going to be. And the Bills have lost all the games that weren't for the most part. And that's why yesterday has to be, you know, a step in the right direction for this team. And he, I obviously, yeah, you got to put the asterisks on it that the, the offsides happened, but it happened. You think that you think the Denver Broncos continuously bring up the asterisks of them beating the bills with the 12 men on the field. Like this stuff just happens and the bills happen to have it go right for them. You know, it's the same situation in Denver. Like they still had to make the next field goal. He could have missed it again. The bills got the benefit of the, the, the flag there. You still got to stop them. And I got to tell you, like, I don't know if you're like me in that situation, but I don't know how much you like reveled in the excitement of that call being, um, or that play being taken back. Because if you're like me, your, your eyes immediately went down to the clock and then to the, to the portion of the scoreboard where Kansas city's timeouts are. I don't know how much you're, you're, you're hooting and hollering about that play being called back knowing what could still potentially happen, and in my opinion, was likely to happen. How many people sat there after that play got called back and did not think the Chiefs were going to, at the bare minimum, get into field goal range? The last thing I thought was going to happen was going to be that. They didn't gain another yard. I'm, I'm telling you, I can't believe it. It wasn't even like they got it into like fourth and five territory and, and didn't get it. They didn't gain another yard. I mean, at the bare minimum, they could have at least got into like the Bills 48, 49 and, and said, hey, Bucker, try a 62 yarder. For God's sakes, the week before this. The Eagles take that game to overtime on a 60 yarder. They didn't have to do a whole lot in comparison to the standard that has been set for Mahomes and the Chiefs. I mean, in reality, they almost had to do the bare minimum. The bare minimum for the Chiefs in that situation is to get in the field goal range, kick the field goal. They couldn't do it. And they were right there. I'll keep saying it wasn't like they were at their own 20. I mean, they were right the hell there. And, I, you know, it makes you wonder, like, if Mahomes was just, I mean, the Bills defense influenced those next three plays. That's for sure. But, like, I think Mahomes, in addition, I think he just let the moment get to him. Like, he just had an absolute meltdown, including those three plays. You know, and you didn't hear anybody ask him what happened on the next three plays. Because it's all been about boo-hoo. You got, you got the big play called back. They usually do those... Um, don't they have those FPI like 
Yes, I have it here. Awesome. Right, right, right. How often does that happen for me on here when I'm looking for something that's right there? ESPN does that win probability throughout each moment of the game, okay? So, at, let's see here. At the beginning of the third quarter, the Bills had an 81.1% chance to win according to the ESPN analytics, okay? When the Chiefs had the ball in Buffalo territory, Another example, by the way, of where the Chiefs could have won this game. They're at like the Bills' 15-yard line early in the fourth quarter, and they can't get into the end zone. They set up for the field goal to tie the game. At that moment, it actually shifted into the Chiefs' favor. Well, they had a 51.9% chance to take it. But at the peak, the Bills were at like the high 80s to win this game. And when it got down to the moment where the Chiefs could uh, go on and tired or whatever, according to this, the Chiefs still had like a 30% chance to win that game, even after all that occurred. Like a 30% chance. Certainly not zero chance and not even like a minimal chance. In the NFL, a 30% chance is a, is a, is a decent chance. Couldn't do it. And it's a major credit to the Bills' defense for being able to, to make it happen. Major credit to the Bills defense numerous times throughout that game. They forced two turnovers, and it's unfortunate. The Bills couldn't score a single point off of those two turnovers. That was big. I thought that was ultimately going to be what cost them. The Bills turn it over once, the Chiefs cash in on it. The Chiefs turn it over twice, and the Bills can't. I thought that was really going to be, you know, the ultimate difference here. But in a situation where they have utterly collapsed completely, they found a way. And sometimes that's all you got to do all year long. It's just been find a way, find a way. And they haven't found the way they have found the way to lose. They have not found the way to win. And with getting a little help, that's yet never seemingly happening for the bills yesterday. In addition to that, they found the way to win. Including, you know, the, the, the biggest example of that, to, in my opinion, as far as like just finding a way and, and, and essentially we've talked about it on here, how the playoffs started yesterday, like making plays you have to make in the playoffs to win that, that throw from Josh Allen to Latavius Murray was like, if when Allen gets into the hall of fame, that that has got to be on the real. It, it, only a play you'll see him and Mahomes make, truly. He's got like three guys in his face. He's already had to escape the pressure for like what felt like an eternity. He's not only falling out of bounds, but he's got to be what? Two, three inches from stepping out of bounds? Gets the ball off, and it's perfectly thrown. 
Now, as I tell you, I'm always transparent and honest, or at least as much as I can be. I don't think Latavius Murray caught that ball. They, I cannot believe they went and reviewed that and did not rule it a fumble. Or, uh, excuse me, an incompletion. I cannot believe it. So that play happens. Now Murray catches it, so to so to speak, right? He, he grabs it, brings it to his chest, and in the process of that, it just felt like as he was bringing it down to his chest, he was losing possession of it, dropped it, and it went out of bounds. And... You see it in real time, and you're thinking it might have been a fumble. They slow it down, and I'm thinking, oh, they're overturning that. Like, that's, I even tweeted it out. I said, that's not a catch. Unbelievable. They go to break. So then you got to sit during a whole commercial break like, oh, my God. And even then, I'm thinking there's just not a shot in hell that they're giving this to them. And they reviewed it, and they did. I, I did not think he had firm control of that ball. The way that they laid it out, uh, who was it, Gene Steratore who came on with Tony and, and um, Jim? He had spelled it out as if he made that third step with the ball, classifying the age-old football move that we love talking about, and then proceeded to lose it, and they therefore kept possession of it. I had just felt like he never had firm control of it. But uh, th- th- once again, a-, a break, in my opinion, going the Bills' way. Because I'll say this, similar to the A.J. Brown play last week where it was ruled an incompletion on the field, therefore they upheld it. That was ruled a fumble on the field, and they upheld it. And I'm telling you, you know it as well as I. They rule that an incompletion on the field ain't a damn chance in how they overturn that. You got to have some breaks go your way to, to win in this league consistently, especially in the, like when you get towards playoff football. You got to. You got to be good and you got to be lucky. And the Bills have, for a long time, were not good. Forever have not been lucky. And they had a little bit of both yesterday, certainly. And I think they got a little lucky on that one. But once again, if you want to bitch about anything with the officials, I understand bitching about the inconsistency. I don't understand bitching about flags and calls that are blatant. But I think yesterday, once again, is another one of those examples where you're at the mercy of whatever they happen to rule on the field. That's just the, that's just the way it is. And I don't even know how you're, you're ever going to be able to, to change that because no one really knows what a catch is at all. And they never, ever go to the booth and overturn things that seem like they're iffy. It's always whatever happened on the field. So essentially comes down to a coin toss for whatever that guy on the field saw and, and rolled it. And it went in the Bills' favor. With that said, knowing now that it counted, I mean, that was just absolutely off the charts unbelievable. Just an ungodly play. And that was one of like three that he made in that game, including the one, what was it, fourth down? I believe it was fourth down all the way in the Chiefs' red zone area. This was prior to the Bills scoring their second touchdown on the uh, the Allen wagon, whatever the, their version of the tush push, which was awesome. 
because he got tush push from like five yards out. But if you remember, I think it was fourth and three and Allen rolls to the right and he's just dead to rights. He's dead, dead in the water. He's got nothing, nothing. Extends the play, fake the throw, fake the throw, extends the play, extends the play, extends the play. And then that little dump off, I believe it was to Dawson Knox, first down. And you're looking at it and you're just like, dude, there's like 2% of the people on the planet are making that play. Even though it's only three yards, it's like not, so everybody else is either taking the sack, they're throwing it away, or just making the wrong call. And this is where it's like, yeah, you know, Allen throws that pick before the half and it sucks. And now he's on what? How many consecutive games now with a pick? I, I forget. I don't even want to know. I, I think we're going on. 10, 10 plus. So it's like, yeah, that sucks. But it's also like, yeah, yeah, he's throwing more picks than anybody, right? But he's also making those two plays that nobody else is making either. And the one, the pick, yeah, it cost him. Those two other plays also helped him win the game. And we talk about this all the time. As long as Allen's evening it out, you almost got to take it. It's the games where he can't even it out that it costs us. Like the Jets game, for instance, week one. When Allen's just playing terrible, turning the ball over and not making those Josh Allen plays, you're screwed. But when he's turning over the ball and then on top of that, though, making two, three unworldly plays, you got to just roll with the picks because you're not getting those plays without Allen taking the risks that also result in interception. Like that third down, right? You're watching him. He's extending the play. He moves up in the pocket, rolls to the right. And he just never saw the corner coming across. He never saw him. Um. And you could argue, yeah, he's forcing it there because if they punt it there, it's an infinitely better situation before the half. The Chiefs haven't been able to move the ball and they got to go all the way down the field before the half in order to get any points. In that particular scenario, you already put them right into scoring territory and they take advantage of it. And that really killed the momentum at the time. But at the same time, you know, you're looking back on it and even at the time, you're like, yeah, you're almost just, it almost just is a part of the game with him. Like you have got to bake in one pick. You're just praying to God that in addition to the pick, you're also baking in two or three of the best plays of the week by a quarterback. And exactly what we got yesterday was that. And it's exactly what we got in the Philadelphia Eagles game. The defense just didn't do their part. Yeah, we got the pick in the Eagles game as well, but Allen also was the sole reason why those Buffalo Bills should have won that game, could have won that game. Um, and I think right now, regardless of the interceptions, regardless of this and that, Allen right now is playing the exact type of football these Buffalo Bills need in order to be able to have a crack. And if they do get a crack, and everybody knows it, everybody knows, if the Buffalo Bills actually make this happen, look out. Not a soul on the face of the planet wants to face that man the way things are going right now in the playoff. Especially when you look around the AFC right now, C.J. Stroud can cuss. I doubt he even plays this weekend, and they're coming off of a loss. Kenny Pickett, surgery. Trevor Lawrence played, but he's banged up. Even when he played, they somehow lost to Joe Flacco, right? Joe Burrow, obviously down. In fact, not only him, Browning got hurt as well. I think 12 of the 32 NFL teams on Sunday trotted out a backup, or this past weekend, trotted out a backup quarterback. And a couple of those teams right now are positioned to get into the playoffs like the uh, Houston Texans, like the Indianapolis Colts. All those seven and six teams piled up there. And you mean to tell me, you look at the landscape, 
and you see all those teams and you see the bills and you don't say, Oh, I just hope that they find a way to screw this up because if they don't, and I I've been starting to think about this scenario here where like a year, like last year or the year prior or whatever you go into the playoffs, having known you were essentially going to make the playoffs for months now, or at least a full month where you're, you're basically guaranteed it. And I don't know what that does to urgency. I don't know what that does to the overall play of a team. I do know last year that they stumbled to a 13 and three record. They lackadaisically landed into as good a record as they did. They took that type of play that they had been putting together into the playoffs, barely scrape out a win against a backup quarterback at home against the Miami Dolphins, and then get the blows, the doors blown off them against the, the Bengals at home. And I've been thinking to myself, I don't know if they can do it, but if they can do it, I think there's going to be a dramatic advantage to a Buffalo Bills team who just played playoff football for a month. And with that came performances from Josh Allen that had to be playoff caliber in order to win it. Because if he's already got that many games like that under his belt with the momentum riding in, look out. What I want to talk about in, the, in, in, in regard to that specific sentiment, right, of this momentum, trying to build on this, and really just trying to win at, at all costs here. The Bills need, you know, any help that they can get, not only from the outside, of course, you're rooting for that at all times, all these teams surrounding them to lose. And of course, winning games themselves, that's the most crucial element. But you're rooting for any advantage that these Bills can get in order to capitalize on it and get this, you know, to actually happen, get this to work, this late season push to the playoffs. And I don't know if anybody could have possibly imagined that a three-piece, 20,000-word article questioning the character and the legitimacy of the head coaching position of Sean McDermott. I don't know if anybody could have foreseen that type of article, which questioned his character, which questioned his ability to coach these Buffalo Bills, basically questioned him top, bottom, and anywhere in the center, him as a man. I don't know if anybody could have envisioned that that might have been the ultimate spark. And I, after watching not only yesterday unfold, and obviously everything's amplified with a win. But what they did after that game, organizationally, doubled my confidence moving forward than what they had just done on the field. Was it ugly, the game? Yeah. Was it too close for comfort? You better believe it. They almost always are. But they won. And with that, I'm thinking, all right, I got to remain confident. They're continuing to give themselves a chance. It's all you can ask for. When I watch what happened post game, when I watch what Ed Oliver had to say, when I watch what Brandon Bean had to say, when I watch that team rally around him, we got your back, coach. When I watch Josh Allen take the podium and say that there's essentially no greater man than Sean McDermott, doubled my confidence. That's a team that's pissed off. That's a team that knows that everyone's questioning. Not only their play, because they've been doing that for months, but now they're what's coming into question is their character, their integrity. They're questioning the guy who's leading this whole thing. Therefore, they're questioning all of us. And you could feel in the video I'm about to show you the energy 
that this team has been given from that article. And I came out here the other day, talked about it for hours, gave my thoughts on all, on all of it. The one thing I don't think I foresaw was just how much this could potentially fuel this team up. I think many people looked at that and would argue this would be their downfall. This was the final piece of the collapse that fell to the floor. Never seen McDermott smile like that in my life. Never seen him react to a win the way he did afterwards. He reacted to that win the way I did. I was jumping up and down, as was he. And you can tell a guy like him is usually very diplomatic. That was involuntary. That overcame him. He did that without even knowing he did it more than likely. Because it meant that much to him. That game yesterday, whether you like Coach McDermott or not, whether you question his character or not, whether you believe every single thing you read in that article was 100% facts or not, whether you want him to be the coach of this team next year or not, you cannot deny that that game meant everything to him yesterday. And I think you're soulless if you aren't happy as can be for that man today and immediately after that game yesterday. After everything hit me at once and I finally, you know how it goes, the game ends and you're finally collecting yourself and your emotions and you're finally starting to take everything in after you can take a deep breath for the first time. The first thing that hit me is, man, I, uh, I, I'm so happy for that guy. I'm so happy for Coach McDermott today. Tough week, brutal week, and, I, and that's just coming from the perspective of me imagining what it could be. I'm sure it was 10 times worse for, for you know, being somebody actually in the thick of it. I cannot imagine what that's like to have your entire life, so to speak, put in question on, on the national stage. And to deliver what he did in the moment that he did, you, you can't help but be happy for him. And if you're not, I, I don't know. I don't know how you, I just don't know how you come to that conclusion. But it wasn't just that. It was the fact that everyone came around him. And you can't fake that. No one's faking that. No one's lying about this shit. I mean, if, if, if you're telling me, and I said this the other day when I talked about the article, I don't think, uh, certainly don't think Tyler Dunn was lying about it, any of it, any of it. And, you know, to what extent the sources were fabricating and stuff, I have no evidence of that, nor can I prove that. Uh, but if you don't think any of that was overstated or anything, then how could you think that anything that Ed Oliver or Josh Allen or Brandon Bean had to say was overstated? And, Man, they rallied around that guy, and it just seems like it was something nobody saw coming, but it could be the exact thing that they ultimately needed. And, I mean, I could not be more stoked that this team, regardless of how unfortunate the circumstance may have been in order to get there, I can't be more excited over the fact that they found something that they're able to use. They needed something, and they found a couple things. Ultimately, the firing of Ken Dorsey bringing in Joe Brady, the spark has been visible, obviously. But you, gotta, you, you always had to question whether that spark wears off, that new coach spark. We've seen it happen in the past, and then the wheels fall off. They needed to keep it going. And I think this, the fire was lit, and I just think this was one more thing. Here's courtesy of... Um, Oh, wrong button. <clears throat> Courtesy of Matt Perino and his Twitter, he got this awesome video of the inside of the locker room where we see Coach McDermott addressing 
the team and we see kind of what unfolds as a result of that. And I, I got to tell you, the first time I watched it, absolute chills. And that was before I saw Brandon Bean come into the picture. Here it is. Hey, listen up, listen up. Man, that's a hell of a win, man. Resilient, resilient damn football team right here, man. I'm so proud of you guys, man. Look at that smile, man. We knew it was going to be tough. I just got to run that back. Oh, that makes me happy, man. We knew it was going to be tough. You guys, resilient, man. Resilient. We're going to need that. We're going to need that going forward. So proud of you guys, man. All the distractions this week, you guys did not flinch. Coaches, players, staff, so proud of you guys, man. Hey, we got this man's back. Tough week. Oh, I got chills again. Hey, great team win. At the end of the day, great team win. Hey, find a way, man. Survive in advance. That's it. One, two, three, one, two, three. I fucking love the Buffalo Bills. I love the fucking Buffalo Bills. Hey, listen up. Let's watch that again. That's a hell of a win, man. Resilient, resilient damn football team right here, man. I'm so proud of you guys, man. Look at that. And just all three phases, man. We knew it was going to be tough. You guys, resilient, man. Resilient. We're going to need that. We're going to need that going forward. So proud of you guys, man. All the distractions this week, you guys did not flinch. Coaches, players, staff, so proud of you guys, man. Hey, we got this man's back. Tough week. Hey, great team win. At the end of the day, great team win. Hey, find a way, man. Survive in advance. That's it. One, two, three, one, two, three. That's what's going to propel these guys forward. Those guys are rallied. You have got to be rallied this time of year, man. You got to be in it. You have got to be fired up. You don't go on a run without it. You don't even have a chance to do it without it. They have it. Whether they do it or not is one thing. But I tell you right now, I don't have any question in my mind their ability to do it. Their willingness to do it. That doesn't mean you win every game. But I'll be damned. I have no question in my mind that right now this team is prepared to give it their best shot. Not a doubt in my mind. I love that. Everything about last night kicked fat ass. That, the win, the breaks going the Bills way for a change, and then the cherry on top, just the utter shit show on Kansas City's end. What a night. One I won't soon forget, and I understand the Bills 7-6, and six, it's an uphill battle, but man, for a real rough season up until now, for us fans, for the majority of the, you know, the year here, that, that's about as nice of a, a night as I've had in a while as a fan. It, everything was great. So as much as I like to come on here, and I know you all love it too, right? We all love to bitch when we have the ability to. Got to be able to sit down and reflect in the moments that really are, are what making being a fan so great. Last night was that moment. I have yet to look at the comments section once, and it looks like we got seven. Super chats. Love that. You guys are the best. I love when you, you I love how you know, usually, too, by the way. You're, you, you know, I'm ranting. You guys got your thing going on, and then we get there. I love it. Let's get, <clears throat> pardon me. 
Let's get to the Super Chats, and we'll start from the beginning and work our way down. And as always, to those who sent them in, thank you not only for sending them, but for the patience. Much appreciated. Let's start it off with Matty Royer, and he's saying, nice for the heartbreak to go the other way for once. Extra happy that it happened to the Chiefs. Go Bills. And that's well said because that's what makes me so elated about the whole thing as well, right? Because not only does it happen finally, couple breaks go the Bills' way, including what many want to say today, the biggest break of the year. Not only does that happen, but it happens in a week where you just watched what unfold, you know, in the locker room there. You know, you watch what that meant to them. It happens in that moment to get them there, right? It happens in a moment where you need to win to keep your playoff hopes alive. And it happens against, as of now, the most bitter rival for this team. Bar none. This is the most bitter rival for these Buffalo Bills since Allen's gotten into the league. And that's why I can't get enough about how much I loved yesterday. It's all of that wrapped into one. And it just never seemingly happens. That's why I got about six days here to enjoy it until I drive. I'm, by the way, anybody going, if you're, if you're um, in here and you're going next Sunday, I will be there. I've uh, been to two games this year, both on the road, and God Bless me, I, they both were losses. Knocking on wood right now. I went to the Patriots game. I went to the Jets game. This is my first game at the Ralph this season, and I hope that all my bad luck was just on the road. Taking Caroline, not her first Bills game. She's been to multiple, but she's never been to the Ralph. We've been together almost eight years. Engaged. By the way, I just booked our wedding date too. So all that in consideration, she still hasn't been to the Ralph. How crazy. Not only that, going with my brother-in-law and his fiance. He went to UB, so he's been, but his fiance hasn't been. So it's like a, it's a big deal. And I don't think they quite get how big this game is either. So say a prayer for me because I it's going to be tough for me when you're surrounded I mean, I just hope I'm in a section where I got, I got my, and I usually, this usually happens for me where I, well, I mean, cause we're in the bill stadium. It's very rare. You're going to be in this position where not everybody's going nuts, but I just, I'm going to be freaking out, freaking out. So there's that Teddy MV coming in. Kelsey said that he only threw the lateral because he saw the flag and thought it was a free play. So it only happened because he was offside. Whoa, wait a minute. Where did you hear that? This is the first I'm hearing of that. That is insanity if true. Chat, do me a favor if you have the knowledge. Can anybody verify that? Because that's nuts. It also is so funny to me, too, if that's true. If all of this is occurring... The great, you know, RG3's uh, mopping up his tears because of the play that happened. If that play only happened because of the flag, that's all time. Does anybody really know if that happened? No, so I know the flag. I know the flag was thrown immediately, but. What Teddy's saying is, yes, the flag's thrown immediately. Kelsey saw the flag. That's why he lateraled it. 
That makes so much sense. Oh, this is this is f in my mind from the back right now. This changes everything, and it makes everybody defending them look ten times more more stupid. And it makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. Because Mahomes goes on to say, you know, legacy play from Kelsey. Now that I look back on that, is he saying that because he thinks Kelsey just pulled that out of his ass? The other thing, too, and I never thought about this. I don't. Did they really? Wait a minute. Yo, Teddy, you're screwing me here. Where's my tinfoil hat? This makes way too much sense. Because let's let's really think about this for a second. We immediately assume that they drew it up. Why? Because of what I had already said earlier. Andy Reid may be the greatest play caller of all time. But even with that in mind, does it seem... Likely to you, wait a minute, does it seem likely to you that Andy Reid sent in a play saying, Kelsey, you're going to catch it and then throw it 10 yards behind you? Now that I think about that, that does not really sound very likely. Also, even if he did send that play in, not only would Kelsey have to be wide open, which he was, but he would then have to be able to make the moves on the defenders he did in order to make the play. And also, dude. I'm, yep. That's, yeah, I'm, yep, totally believe it. It's been well known. By who? I've been online all day soaking in all this shit because I've been loving it. How did I not see this? Dude, I I have been I have been looking at every tweet. I mean, usually I mean the last three weeks I haven't been because they've lost and I avoid all of it. I've been soaking in all of this. How did I miss this? We just watched the presser. Chandler, we just watched it. I didn't. This is, this is incredible to me. Because to me, this makes everything everybody's saying 10 times more hilarious, 10 times more stupid. Because you got everybody crying about being robbed of the greatest play we've ever seen. It never would have happened if the guy wasn't offsides in the first place. This is incredible. And you want to know what? It just makes me look like 10 times more of a genius. I didn't even know this. Here I am doing my best to play professor on here for an hour and a half, trying to tell people why what happened happened the way it did. If I had known this, I would have just came on here and started laughing. Let's go back and watch it again. I sh- this is this is like the best example I've ever had that I need to s- collect my thoughts 
earlier in the in the show and, and then look at the super chats before I you know before I absolutely lose my mind and trance out for two hours. I mean I'm I'm stunned. And the other thing too, like I know for a fact, my dad didn't hear that either because he would have texted me it. And no one I know, all my buddies never said that either. We've been talking about it all day. I mean, I can't believe this. My dad never texted me. My buddies and I haven't talked about it all day. No one told me about it, and I never saw it myself. This is incredible. Okay, here it is. Let's let's look at it from that perspective now. All right, where's Kelsey? It's right there. Flag goes up. Again. There's the flag. There's a flag down at the line of scrimmage. Is the pass? To an open Travis Kelsey. It was totally impromptu. Honestly, I feel stupid now for even thinking that Andy Reid drew that up, but that's just because I think I just think so highly of the guy. I just assumed he did. Now, my here's my question. Here's my question. Did he do that because he saw a penalty, or did he do that because Kadarius Tony was so wide open? That changes things a bit. If he did it because he saw a penalty, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. Because it makes the whole situation, like I said earlier, 10 times funnier, 10 times more stupid for the fact that everybody's been talking about this for, for over 24 hours now. However, if he did it because Tony was just wide open, well, then it's a great play, and, and, and then everybody else's bullshit stance still stands, I guess. So this is what I had thought originally. The reason why I thought it was drawn up, because as you can tell right here, so he breaks the first wave here, and you can tell it looks like right here he's looking to do something because he's not looking forward. He's looking sideways. And he's like trying to get into position to do something. And then, of course, he looks right back again. I still can't believe he did that. I still can't believe he got it there. At least Danny's making me feel better. He didn't see that either. And this is what I had heard. I had heard that, you know, he knew it was coming. I mean, I didn't know that if he was eager or not, but I heard he knew it was coming. But no kidding, like, either way, I, I, I can't even believe he, I still can't believe he did that shit. You know, it, it, whatever. I already thought it was hilarious, and now that I'm just going to pretend to believe this happened, whether it did or not, it's ten times even, it's ten times funnier to me. The whole thing's hilarious to me. Just the amount of crying by everybody. And it's not even, not even just Mahomes and, uh, and whatever else. It's, it's just everybody else. The RG3 one to me is bar none the best. We were robbed.
I don't even want to know what it's like to have that mindset. How is that what you take away from, from seeing that offside? You know, us, us sports fans, we were, the rug was swept out underneath of us. When do you ever see them say that ever about anything? I still can't believe, and he, and like I said earlier, and I'll say, like, I, he wasn't the only one to saying that shit. How? It's all, it's like, and it's like, dude, if, if, if that shit happened, like, if, if the Carolina Panthers did that, no one would give a single shit. Which makes it that much more enjoyable to me just watching the cry fest because it's, it's the Chiefs. Because I know for a fact nobody would give a shit if it was somebody if it was another one of these teams, especially a non-contender. But they give an infinite amount more shit because it's the Chiefs. I mean, even if it was like the Ravens or something, I don't think people would care even as this much. Truly, I don't. The crying though over what the right call. Bot conquered, conquered. Do, do I think the Titans have any chance tonight? Well, I was told, what is it, 10 3 and a half? Ten seven and a half. Ten seven and a half Titans. Tell you what, I was clowning TD earlier on the AFC's roundtable. I said the Jets got it done for us, the Patriots got it done for us. All that's left now is for Levis the Menace to go get it done against the, the Dolphins. That happens. Oh my God. This will be about as good a weekend in sports as I've had in months if that happens. The Kinger, Jeff King coming in. Hey, bot, jumping on late. He was off sides by a long shot, says Jeff. However, it never should have come to that play. I'm a realist. It comes down to taking your foot off the gas. Yeah, like we talked about, certainly. Second and third drive, great. Everything else, shit, leave no doubt. I mean, obviously, I couldn't agree more. We all... We all know it. The only difference in this one and why I enjoyed it is because (laughs) they've done all that in the past and still lost. I mean, yeah, we always say it shouldn't come down to that. Well, it always seemingly does come down to that, and they always seemingly lose. That's why this was so enjoyable, right? Um, It's like, well, it's it's the same shit we said after the, uh, you know, the the Patriots game. It should never come down to Mac Jones even having a chance to go – 80 yards in two minutes, which is still the most improbable thing I've seen all year. Uh, it shouldn't even been a, you know, shouldn't even a, um, came down to the, the, the Broncos having a field goal attempt. Shouldn't have even came down to the Jets having a punt return, but it seemingly always does come down to it, and it seemingly always goes the wrong way. So I 100% agree with you. I mean, would I have rather of the Bills stacked on that 14 to nothing lead and 140 to 10? Hell yeah. But like I said a couple of weeks ago before we went into this run, I said I, I got to get to the point where I don't care how they do it because all they have to do is do it now. We are not, we do not have the luxury anymore of sitting back and critiquing wins because we can't do that. We just need the win. And I don't care how it comes at this time of the year. That's how I feel. But more importantly, I don't care really ever how it comes against the Chiefs. I don't care how it comes. I don't care what you got to do, how you got to do it. Anytime you can beat Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm signing up for it. I don't care if it's the same score yesterday um, as, you know, the Vikings-Raiders game was, 3 nothing. Sign me up. Don't care. Win the game. Josh Gee, super sticker. Thank you to my man, Josh Gee. 
Cordero Linder coming in. Leonard, Leonard Floyd hit his arm at the end of the game. Okay, so we were talking about that earlier. It was Leonard Floyd who got to his arm. Ask George Bulldog, go Bills, go Dogs. Love that. Bulldog's got a little hose, in my opinion, by the way. If anybody got hose in the top four college football playoffs, to me it was Georgia, not Florida State. I know that might be very controversial. That's how I felt. Um, but uh, so Leonard Floyd making the play at Oliver with the huge play. Unfortunately, AJ Epinesa got hurt right in the beginning of the game there, but unbelievable play to, to you know really get the momentum going the Bills way early in that game, the batted interception. Guys making plays everywhere, stepping up in positions where they're needed, where this you know defense still continues to battle injury after injury. Guaranteed Micah Hyde's going to be missing some time. It just seems like, my God bless him. I love Micah Hyde. He's been so good for this team, but, man, he can't stay healthy. Gets hurt yesterday, goes back in, instantly hurt again. I don't know how long he'll be gone, but this team still seemingly just finds ways to overcome, overcome, overcome. And, uh, you know, even when they haven't, they still give you signs for the most part. Other than that Eagles game in that Patriots game, they've really given you signs of life every time you win or lose this defense. Murray did catch the ball. He took three steps before he dropped it. So Cordero coming in, that's how he feels. Okay, I, and, and you want to know what? That's exactly what Gene Steratort said. That's exactly what um, the refs came to the conclusion of when they reviewed it. I personally looked at that and thought, I, that's dropped me. But once again, you feel that way. I feel this way. And that's why when it comes down to these subjective calls, it's so tough. And why I said earlier, if the call against the Chiefs to end the game was subjective, maybe I'd have some sympathy. But when it's so blatant and it's one of the most non-subjective calls in football that exists, the Looney Tunes I've been watching all day long is just that much more loony. And why I've really not only been loving it, but also actually really getting annoyed by it at the same time. It's like a love-hate thing. Um, but I'll go. I'll defer back to what I said, Cordero, and I believe this. If they ruled an incompletion on the field, they were going to stick with it. If they ruled a fumble on the field, which they did, they're going to stick with it. That, to me, just seems like the tried-and-true direction that these guys consistently go in. Um, part of me can't blame them because it's the easy thing to do. But the other part of me, you know, gets real frustrated when um, you see it happen in one game, the exact same thing happened in another game, and there's two different results. That's what is tough. And, uh, you know, how they fix it, I don't know. But I, I keep saying this. The attempt just needs to be made to fix it. The attempt, the money, the infrastructure, the, the attempt to do it, that hasn't been seen. Negative. The Tiv, Christian Nary, Christian Nails Nary, a.k.a. Chris Kerr, Nails, Negative, Tiv, Tivity, the guy. Saying, you better hope two and Watt will do something in the second half or I'm taking your play. Oh, shit, that's right. So I'm playing Nails, who's on your screen here, Christian Nary. I'm playing him in fantasy right now, and I... Completely, as I do often when I get on here, completely forget about the outside world. And I forgot that I needed like four or 50 points between Tua and Waddle. And they have a combined nine right now. Which more than likely means I'm not making the fantasy playoffs. 
which would mean Nails would make it. Which is what he clarifies here, followed by a love you, Dad. Well, of course you love me. I'd love me too if I hand if I hand hand gift wrapped you a spot in the playoffs. But you know, ain't that how it always goes? Ain't that how it goes? Where if the Dolphins are gonna benefit me tonight and losing, you know, there's got to be some sort of underwritten. Um, what am I? What's the word I'm looking for? Catch. That was tough. You know, there's got to be a catch. Of course, I'll probably come back and win it anyways, and I'll lose this. That 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 that'll truly be more than likely what happens. But if they do lose tonight, of course, that has to come at the hands of two. And while not playing well, then there's the catch. You get you get some here, you lose some here. I'd you have to send that in now. I'm bummed now. It sucks. Whoa. Dude, I keep getting crazy new news left and right. Courtesy of Mr. Bot, my father. What is happening here? Now I got to walk back everything I said about RG3. And I kind of went in on the guy. How am I missing this shit nonstop? Where is this? Hold on. You got to be kidding me. Look at this. Robert Griffin III, two hours ago, my dad just sent me this screenshot. He tweets, after all the information gathered today, the flag was fully on Kadarius Tony. He just can't get right. Is that real? I mean, you want to talk about pie in the face, foot in the mouth, what an asshole I am type moment. What are the odds of that? What are the odds of him walking it back? What are the odds of me using him as the example of the poster child of bad takes today, and he walks it back mid-show. <laughs> hey, well, once again, Robert Griffin III, after crying about us being, not us, but the, the, the sports world being uh, robbed of the play of the century, he comes out to then say today, after all the information gathered today, the flag was fully on Kadarius Tony. He just can't get right into that. I say sincere apology, Robert Griffin the third. I don't take back um, my criticism of your thoughts on uh, Florida state missing the college football playoff with Dan Patrick. But I also understand that that's a very divisive topic. This one, not so divisive to me. That's why I was using you as the example. And God bless you. you, you like a man, you admitted you were wrong, and you, you told the people so. Egg on the face moment. I'm a dumbass. I'm an asshole. I'm a total dick. I'm sorry. And good for you for getting it right. And I hope the rest do the same. Now it's up to the rest of them. It's up to Dan Orlovsky to come out and say, Go Bills.
I'd like to hear Nick Wright maybe come out and maybe give, give us a go Bills too. How about that? Then I'll, I'll be right in the world. How about it? You know? <laughs> so Life of Oz is saying, Tony, <laughs> Tony was spit-shining uh, spit Mahomes last night. Uh, you can bet he's got the shiniest pecker in the NFL. Look, I, I got I to gotta defend Romo there because, one, I love him. I don't know why he gets so much hate, but, two, if, if, if Romo shines anybody, it's, it's Allen. Romo, I don't think anybody on the planet loves Allen more than Romo. I, really? How many times did hey, Romo was killing me yesterday? Like, so the Bills would do something good, and he'd be like, and that right there is why the Bills could win the Super Bowl. Like they would talk about the bad things. So like there would be a pick, and it's like, oh, Jim, that's why out. That's why the Bills are the record they are this year. And then they would do something good, and be like, but that there, right there, Jim, is why the Bills can win the Super Bowl. I love, I love Tony Romo. I think he's the best. I don't know why people don't like him. I think he's the best. He makes every game I watch ten times more entertaining. I love him. I think he's great. I think the energy. I, I remember I did a full show like two years ago, doing nothing but talking about how much I love Tony Romo, and I still feel the same today. I cannot understand for the life of me how you could like football and not like him commenting in the game. Um, he loves Allen. I, I've, I get there's people, and I understand there's got to be people out there who don't like Josh Allen. You got to remember we live in our own bubble. I'm sure there's everybody out there who's a big, you know, Lamar fan. Which I mean, by the way, I love guys that aren't on the Bills too. Like I love Lamar Jackson. I love Justin Herbert. I just don't love him the way I love somebody on the bills, but I still like really like the player, the guy, but there's obviously people out there who don't like Josh Allen. So I understand when you hear Romo talk about Allen, kind of the way Chris Collins where talks about Patrick Mahomes, I understand the criticism, but Hey, maybe it's just the spot I'm in. I just, I think Tony Romo's the best. Great. Um, wow. We really came full circle today. We talked about the whole, uh, Penalty thing, then perhaps it comes out that the whole thing would never have been a thing in the first place if it weren't for the penalty. Then I bring up RG3 as the example of all the bad takes I've been seeing today. We come around to the end of the show, and RG3 comes out and makes a formal statement that he was wrong, and it was Kadarius Tony's fault, and that's the end of the story. And that's the end of the smoke break. How about that? We go entirely full circle. That is incredible. I love it, and I love the fact that you guys tuned in with me tonight. For the victory Monday off of one of the crazier wins of the year, one of the crazier games of the year, and it went in the Bills' favor. How about that? Let's stack on it. Bills, Cowboys, this coming weekend, I'll be there. If you will be there, too, shoot me a message. Maybe we can get it popping in the parking lot before the big game kicks off at 425. I'm very, very excited for that. I'm very excited to be back with you on Monday to talk about that. Same spot, same place. Right here on the smoke break. And of course, before you head out, make sure to check out the link in the bio from my friends over at BetUS. 125% sign up bonus from my friends at BetUS. You click the link in the description, you take advantage of that. They're the best. Parlays, player props, straight bets, totals, you name it, including Bills, Cowboys, and all the lines for that right there on the website. You saw me earlier. Put a hundo down on Bills minus two, and I'm confident. And if you feel the same, click the link in the bio. 125% sign-up bonus. 
you can get after it as well. I'm going to get after going and watching. Hopefully, these Miami Dolphins take the L. We'll see. I'll see you next Monday. Same spot, same place. Hopefully, talking about the same thing. A Bills win. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week, folks. And as always, much love. Go Bills. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.